Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, and we chose this one. This is episode 110, The Fast and the Furious, Lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode is brought to you by Focus Factor, nutrition for the brain. Improves memory, concentration, and focus. Focus Factor. Well, shout out Focus Factor. What a way to kick off Lap 7. We've got, this is overstuffed episode, Joey. I will tell you that much right now. We've got, after the break, we got Nico and Kevo coming in to talk about the Fast and Furious kickoff lap seven First in time they ever saw it, yeah. In a big way. Mm-hmm. We are going to cover the deleted scenes from the Fast and the Furious, which mm-hmm. we have never seen before, which, who boy, let us... Fucking awesome, let, yeah. Oof. We are also going to announce the nominees, and you don't even know this yet. I only looked last night. The nominees in the Fast and the Furious Too Fast Too Forever Hall of Fame, who got inducted... Who got kicked off the ballot? Who's going to have to wait to get back? We're going to find out. I have no but idea. But first, Joe, extracurricular activities. Before we get into any of that, what have you been up to since we last recorded? What do we do? The Getaway? And we also talked to Nico and Kevo about uh, this movie. Um, Nothing much. I was watching some Lost to catch up because I know that we're going to talk about Lost on our next time we record, right? Starting next episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've just been watching a bunch of Backlog Lost Nothing, nothing super crazy. Watching TV, we got Love After Lockup coming back. That's the one I told you about. That's like people have like prison pen pals and they come out and they think that they're yep. gonna be like a rehabilitated real person and they're not. So <laughs> that's what that's devastating. What yeah, I know. Big surprise. Like every time you watch it, you're like, yeah, this is it's never gonna work. It's not even like a reality show where you're like, oh man, like I'm rooting for them. It's like no, they're like they're just it's not gonna work. Cool. Well, I don't know. I've just been watching things. Nothing really to report of note. I did tell you that I finally beat that mobile game Forza Street. Do not play it. Like it is, <laughs> it's not bad. Like I like the idea of it, and I liked getting actual Xbox achievements on my phone. That was cool. But it's like it's so grindy. It's so grindy, which I knew was happening. Yeah. But it's just like it's exhausting. I was telling you, there's a combination of like luck and grinding. And finally done. I have broken free. Like you said to me, I've always been free. I just needed to realize it. I know that, but it's also like I yeah. wanted that last thing. I showed you that 0.09% of all Xbox users have beaten the game. Less than, fewer than one in a thousand have beaten I would, the game. I would be willing to bet you're probably like the oldest person that's beaten that game. No, I don't think so. I think a lot of the people who beat it are probably like, and this is just a guess. Go ahead. I think a lot of the people who have beaten this game are people who are have been Xbox gamers since like the 360 came out and have been really into achievements. Because I feel like you don't keep playing it unless you're going for that achievement completion i think that's i really think that's the thing it's either like kids who have just i don't don't know if people care about car i don't know people who are our age i think high schoolers and maybe are people who are in high school when the 360 came out and like a little bit older Uh, i don't think that you know i don't think this game is good enough for younger people to be like oh no i'm gonna stick with this like i don't think that like there's nothing really appealing about it just uh there's three there's three courses and it's the same mechanism every time three courses yeah Oh my god. Luckily, there's auto race. I'm not going to get into it. Don't play it. I mean, whatever. If you're into Xbox achievements, it's it's fun, but 
Boy. I also was playing the actual Forza Horizon. I showed you a car that I got, which I had never heard of, the mm-hmm. Apollo Intensa Emozione. Do you know Apollo as the manufacturer? No, I had no idea what this thing is. I'm, I'm guessing it's like some weird hypercar manufacturer that made, like, I, like when you sent the picture, I was like, oh, this is probably some weird hypercar company that's made like 10 yes. of these. And it was like, yep, yes. And there were 10. <laughs> yep. Apparently it's a German company, a German car manufacturer. This car just looks like the Batmobile. There were 10 ever made. It was just one of the things in Forza. Did they build the motors? Do you know this? Or do they use like Porsche motors or something? They're mm, Apollo. They're what? tied they're tied with Audi somehow. Okay, so they probably the guy use, who like, founded Audi it used to work for Audi, I think. So I don't know if they use Audi parts or not, but the guy basically a guy from Audi moved over. It's hard to make an engine from scratch, right? Like you usually mm-hmm. use an engine from a manufacturer that makes engines and then you can like tune it and like build a different body for it. So I was guessing that they probably, if it was a German car company, Audi makes sense. I bet that they use Audi engines, but I have no idea. It looks like they've only maybe made three different cars. They have the Gumpert Apollo, which is maybe a different manufacturer altogether than the Apollo Arrow and the Intensa Emozione. I just saw this car. I was like, oh, this is a badass looking car. And I was going to be like, let me try to get you to guess. And I was like, there's, I'm like, let me Google it just to be safe. It's like, oh, there's no way you would ever guess this. Yeah, I had no idea what this was. Plus, I can't describe it other than like, it looks like a Batmobile. Yeah, and now all these hypercars kind of look the same like all the McLarens and stuff like that. Like all these fucking cars look like a Batmobile. So, and the only other thing I wanted to bring up was that this week, as this episode comes out, unless something catastrophic happens in the next four days, baseball is back by now. Oh yeah. I was watching um, a little preseason yesterday. Yeah. I have not watched a single minute of that. I'm just like, I still don't. I, uh, the, what I wanted to bring up was that we are, we've been trying to coordinate how we're going to play fantasy baseball this year, because as you know, take a Dude. drink. Fantasy baseball is very important to my group of friends we're trying to figure out how you take a season that is normally 25 weeks long and condense it into a nine-week season. Dude, my NHL fantasy playoffs died in the middle of it. So, like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Because it's, like, it's going to start in the playoffs with, like, not all the teams... Right. And the players, like, I, I didn't even address it to the rest of the group yet. Like, I was just like, I think oh. it's just, you just have to take a mulligan. Just be like, no, we're going to do it again next year or whatever. Right? That's, so. I think, right? Like, because it's like, what do you do? Like, what if you have, like, a bunch of players from a team that's, like, just out now? I don't know. I don't know. It's unfair. It's, I mean, it's not, you know. Oh, the thing, that, and the thing that sucks the worst is, is, like, if we're like, oh, okay, this season just counted. We'll just count regular season stats. I was in the lead, so. Oh, right, yeah. You were saying this, I think, back when the, when the NHL paused. You're like, there's nothing I can do because I'm, like, winning in my matchup and I won the regular season. Like, no matter what a decision I make, I basically win, and so, like, I, yeah. it can't be up to me, but, like, it has to be up to you, so I think you just gotta, like, you'd be like, all right, we're just gonna... Mulligan's it was the fun. best answer, yeah. Like, we'll just retry again next year is, like, essentially what we have to do. So normally what we do is we have 19 regular season weeks. Six teams make the playoffs. There's there's 12 teams in our league, and we have two divisions of six, and yeah. so the top seed in each division gets a bye, and then the next four best teams across either division make the playoffs. So it could be, in theory, five in one. Like, the six best teams in the league could all be in one division, but the five in that one and then the top from the other one would always make it. Which so, like, makes the top sense. That's fair. Yeah. always gets it. Cool. So what we're doing this year instead is we're doing a seven-week regular season, and we're doing a two-week World Series, which is the top team, top two teams, I think. But Total the way that we're overall. determining it, yes, top two overall, because we're basically abolishing divisions this year because yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yep. Because we also had like a like I would custom make our schedule out of the 19 weeks. 
10 of those would be against your division because they're, you know, you play each person in your division twice, right? So yep. you would have yep. the final five weeks of the regular season. This is my friend's idea, my friend Matt's idea, who's the other commissioner with me. He had the idea that, like, the last, it should mean more. Like, in baseball, a lot of September, you're playing against, like, traditionally the normal September. You're playing against your division, right? So the Pirates would play, like, if they're in a pennant race, they'll play a lot against the Cardinals and the Cubs and yeah. whatever because you're battling them for the playoff spot, right? For yep. the division lead or whatever. Makes so sense. I was like, cool, we can do that. So we have five at the end. So you'd have 10 of those, and then you play the other division entirely once, and then the three teams in the other division, if there were three that made the playoffs, you would play them an extra time. So basically, it, it evened out. So like better teams played better teams, worse teams played worse teams. So it was a pretty balanced schedule overall. That's cool. This year, we're throwing all that out. And we're instead using a thing that I kind of created that we have named the Power Joeys. And what it basically is, is it's kind of head-to-head, but against every team in the division, or every team in the league. So you're it's kind of like a roto on a week-by-week basis, but it's head-to-head standing. So what it is, is you take your stats, and I throw them all into a spreadsheet, okay. and then you have like all 12 teams, like all the runs, right? So like if I'm playing 11 other people, if I have more runs than everyone, I get 11 wins. Okay. If I have more runs than like nine of the people i get nine wins and two losses them. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes okay and so it's kind of like a roto but it, like it resets every week so what we're doing this year is for the seven weeks i'm we're all playing the same team because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you're playing because you're playing against everyone yeah so we're all playing the same opponent seven weeks in a row and we're doing a seven week power joeys and the two best teams from that play the world series which is a two-week regular head-to-head the only actual head-to-head matchup all year this is this is kind of cool because it's like like the best team theoretically will win this it's a very fair way to do it right and like it's already chaos like there's already like it's not enough games and whatever but like we had a bunch of different ways of possibly doing it we thought about doing like an entire like no regular season just having like kind of like a double elimination playoff thing we're like that seems complicated this seems like the most kind of old school baseball where like Back in the, I don't remember, 70s, maybe 80s, before there were actual playoffs, it would just be like the best team from each league would just play in the World Series. Yeah. So we're like, let's just do a simple thing. And then for third place, who gets their money back, you know, we're just going to continue to power Joey's into the playoffs. And there are going to be two more periods so that whoever has like the best of the 10 worst teams, so the two not vying for the cup. Yeah. They're, whoever has the best there is going to get their money back. So cool. like, it's a cool thing. It's going to be chaos. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it's the best we can do. It'll be fun. It'll be something different. It's a good way to yeah. like break it up because it's like, this is a wacky season anyway, so it's like always going to be fucked. And if this is fun, cool. If it's not, you're like, it was a shitty season anyway, so what does it yes, matter? Yes, exactly. So I'm finally kind of optimistic for baseball. I didn't think it was going to happen. I still don't know that we're going to have a, fine, a full season, but you know, it's going to be back. All sports are going to be back soon-ish. Plus, dude, you have to, like, you know how you were saying, like, your players got injured. Like, you're going to have, like, COVID weeks now, where, like, a team well, just yeah, gets, so, like, yes. ravaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you have to be in quarantine for two weeks. So, like, you're going to have, like, a dude that's like, oh, man, I really need to get whatever stat this week. And it's like half your team just gets COVID and they're going to be like, I'm just last. Like, you just have nobody playing. So Well, so there were a couple different things. So there's this guy, Yasiel Puig, who I guess is best known for being on the Dodgers. He's on the Dodgers for a while. Yeah, and I think yeah, he was on yeah. the Indians last year. He was a free agent. Like, he's not, like, a, one of the best players in the league, but he's a really good player. Like, he's a solid contributor to a fantasy team. And he was a free agent. So my one friend drafted him because we're all like, like, he's good, but like he doesn't have a team. Who knows where he's going to sign? 
it's kind of a gamble to, to bid on him in the auction, right? And so my one friend got him, and he signed with the Braves, and then two days later was like, well, I have COVID. And so he wound up not <laughs> signing with the Braves. And so it, like, went to this, like, from being, like, a, a question mark to a great fit for him, because, like, the Braves were a young team, yeah. and he could, like, be in the middle of a good lineup, and then, well, now I'm not on a team. And so just, like, you know, it's <laughs> that's, it's an absolute mess. My oh, best yeah. player, the best player in the league, Mike Trout, his wife is about to give birth, and so, oh, he so considered he's sitting out. He considered sitting out the entire season. As of right now, it's still up in the air. I think he's going to play. The Yankees just signed Garrett Cole, former Pittsburgh Pirate Garrett Cole, yes. to the biggest contract in baseball history. Yep. His wife literally just had a baby, and so like he was considering sitting out, but he's going to play. It's absolute insanity. On a similar note with the, the COVID in sports, did you see like J.J. Watt saying like that the NFL announced like they're going to start camp in two weeks, but they haven't told them like when they're going to test, how they're going to yes. test, mm-hmm. and like all this shit. And we're like, oh god, man! Like, there's no football season happening this year. I mean, that's the thing. It's like these these leagues are more about obviously about finances than safety or whatever. Oh, yeah, but course. they're trying and but like from what I've heard, the amount of players tested in both the MLB and the NFL, like the positive tests are like very, very low, which is good, but it's also like it very could scary. get really bad, get bad in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. In the shorter season, the if I mean keeping COVID out of it for a second, I was saying back in Mar- February and March, like after I drafted my team and all these guys on my team got hurt, like my team is actually better now for a short season than it would be for a long season, which is a very weird place to be. I mean, one of the th- one of the three guys that I spent a lot of money on in the draft had Tommy John, and he's out for this year and probably oh, most of next year. Nice. So he's done. But like everybody else who was like, oh, this guy is hurt, or this guy might not play, or he has an innings limit, or whatever, it's all kind of coming up good for me. So yeah. Plus, in you know, in a seven-week regular season, anything goes, right? You have one bad week, you could be done. You have one good week, you might be like, you might be able to coast. It's it's chaos. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Unrelated to this, but we talked about it on the last email or last episode in the email section. I was doing a little bit of calendar digging, and I think I have possibly the next date and movie for our family watch party. Oh, pitch it! You so didn't tell done, me yet. Go ahead. We've done. Too Fast. Yes. We've done Tokyo Drift. Yes. And we did, not for the podcast, but just for your part, for your birthday, we did Gone 60, right? Yep. So I'm thinking we continue with the main franchise, and we do Fast and Furious number four, and it would be on Saturday, August 8th. Uh, Tentatively, that sounds great to me. Because we're going to record with Nico and Kevo the following Wednesday, and so we're going to have to watch it that week anyway. So instead of doing it on a Sunday, where like if people want to join from Australia, and then suddenly it's the middle of the workday, if we can... We'll do it on Saturday, August 8th, so I can send out a save-the-date reminder, but I think that could be good. I think you know, it's, if timeline works up, it is from the time this episode comes out. It's almost it's two and a half weeks from now. All right, Joe, we have a Patreon page on the show, too fast, TooFast2Forever.com. So this is now, we are now, oh, I did not post today. I've got, I've got to post post-laps 8 to 10 on Patreon. So now if you are a mm. Patreon member, you know by now what laps 8, 9, and 10 are, and those are the $10 a month or above tiers. Uh, you get to pick one movie for each lap. So if you want to be in on that action, too fast to forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Vin Diesel, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, <laughs> Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Letty Ortiz, Christian Larson, and Jerry Robinson for supporting thank us. Thank you guys. At the $5 level or above. Thank you all so, so thank very you much. much. Very much, thank you. So, you know, we have, if you want to join for this lap, you can still get a pick in here. If you heard last episode, you're like, oh, I can't believe they're not covering Avatar or, yeah. what was it, Machete Kills or whatever, right? Like, True. you can get in here, do it, too fast, too forever.com. But shout out to all of you 
who support us over there. Yes, thank you. Joe, what? the mailbag, family at cageclub.me. I don't know what happened. We have not skipped a day. We have not, you know, it's not, it's like, not even like we a long did the YAML. Yeah. We have so many emails. Let's just get into it. Okay, go for it. First up, from someone who wrote in a while ago, but has not written in in a while, Dylan Yap, subject line, the corona and the virus presents COVID and 19. <laughs> I like it. it says, hey What's guys, I finally caught up to the episode that my first email was read, and man, did it take me a while to catch up, even though I've still got a bit of ways to go to be completely up to date. Still doing pretty good. I, yeah. I would never be able to catch up with this. Friend of the show, Melissa, is catching up, and she is doing so slowly. We also have Wells Lamont catching up. He will, spoiler, we'll write in again this. But yeah, I mean, if you were, if you found this during COVID, and then like we doubled up on the release, like I think it's hard enough to keep up, hard enough to catch up if you were in it, but like... If you have like a hundred, basically two hour episodes and now we're putting <laughs> yeah. out four hours a week, like good luck. Godspeed. Yeah. Amen. Hope, hope we're helping at least a little bit. With everything that happened in the world the past couple of months, I wasn't able to drive as much and hence I wasn't able to listen as much. I you tried listening without driving, but it didn't feel right. The car is an essential part of it, I guess. Guess so. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only Aussie listening down under. Gotta love the representation. Yeah. We got a bunch of Aussie listeners down there. A ton. Yeah. Surprisingly. Like, Haley, yeah. Jake, everybody. Like, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Yeah. Anyway, I just got my miso, that's Australian for girlfriend, to start watching the FNF movies for the first time, and she's loving it. Ooh. We're doing it in chronological order like you guys did in lap five, and I think I prefer it this way. I'll be listening out for this email once I, or until I catch up again. Your mate, Dill. Well, thank you, Dylan, for writing in. And I'm glad that you're showing her them in this order. We're going to do the same with Nico and Kevo. I really like this order a lot, actually. So I also just like the word miso. I think that's great. Miso is cute. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right, then we got a couple emails in a row from Nick Burris. First off, sorry to hear about your dad again. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Yeah, see, I, I was sorry to hear about this, too. All I could think of when you were saying the asshole your dad pinned on the ground was, I think I was in 10th grade and my dad, and I went to a junkyard to get a part so my dad could finish a job. He's a mechanic, so we got a jack from the old trucks out there, and he was under it. The jack slipped, pinning him oh. under the car. Oh, my God. So I had to run to get help. Got a oh. couple of guys. They pick up the car enough for me to pull my dad out. With He was thinking 265. And I was like 130, and adrenaline was going because it was easy to pull. He regained consciousness, and he went to the hospital. He was fine. Lucky. The doctor said he was lucky. Very lucky. Usually they come in and they're dead or they have broken ribs. My dad told me it was about an inch closer out, but he got stuck on the body. Just glad that he had the idea. He said something told him to see if I wanted to go with him. Wow. Remember, when we were talking about this when we were watching Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, too, like how frightening that is like that's just like a terrifying feeling for me does crazy get to see that but i'm glad that he's okay that was that's an awesome end to that story man thanks it says out of the dark hole now nico and kevo remind me of rico and tego in their banter it's funny <laughs> this should be a good lap i think so too man i'm excited for it they're really good dudes and like they're funny in the chat too i, I know you guys don't see that part of it but they're always cracking jokes and making me laugh so about freebie and the bean they do a show they do show trunks in too fast and roman even pops the trunk at the end ah, do they do it from true. the inside or do they not do it from the inside we gotta keep an eye out for that because it's like the tarantino is like the trunk looking out i gotta remember i don't remember remember if it's a you know what the perspective is yeah yeah you're right you're right and we definitely see the one the car that has like tvs in the trunk at some point in some one of the movies too i remember that remember we were talking about it like is there mm-hmm. tvs in this trunk and it like they show the speakers and stuff so yeah yes 
but it's like it's the different perspective it's like the tarantino trunk shot that maybe he took from freebie i don't know i don't know says thinking about being racist didn't catch until i listened to the episode but even the title is racist calling the mexican the bean oh that's true joey knows this and he does it too how we don't know i call my cats beans so for me it's like a term of endearment and it has no other meaning than just like it's just like a cute name for a cat. Yeah, I didn't even put two and two together that he's calling him Beans for a reason. Gotta love the 70s, man. Yeah, I know. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, like you use Bean as a term of affection. Like, I just, I don't know how my cat's name from went from being Sam. To, like, I call her Bean more than Sam, but it's not like a like a nickname, like a look at that cute. Like, you call other cats and dogs Bean. Like, I don't do that. Like, yes. My cat is just a goat goes by is the wrong word but goes by bean so yeah i was just thinking that i'm surprised it didn't come up but yeah the whole racist element not cool not, not cool not cool but like i just didn't even think about it because i'm always like look at this cute bean over here and yeah now i'm talking about lifespan i catch myself singing to the song i mean that song is great dude we listen to it a lot <laughs> like outside of like doing yaml stuff like that song by volts is so fucking good <laughs> it really is go check it out like if, if you haven't already it's volts lifespan there's a music video on YouTube. The whole song is great. Nick says, Johnny made me laugh. He says, I'm glad there's a timetable now. And I think it's funny how Johnny says, I love I love you here until he dies. Spoiler alert, not much longer. And also the timeline is correct. And Mia did not have sex with Brian yet. Ellie had done the deed before Brian was in the crew. Mm. I have a couple links I'm going to send. One is blah, blah, blah. And he goes on from there. Till next time, tail lights, OG4 horseman, Nick out. Thank you for writing in, Nick. That was fun. So he sends in this link first, and this is a thing on YouTube called Showing Up the Tuners, and this is a bunch of cars in a parking lot. Mmm, cool, cool. It says, wait for it, shut down, winner, winner, steak dinner. So I don't know if you're looking at this. I haven't watched this yet. It's like an old-timey car. Yeah, I think you're just going to smoke this tuner, I bet. Let me see. That's not even a race. They're just like, they're just they're just revving up, basically. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this I mean, I've seen very similar videos before. I feel like I've seen this specific video before. Uh, okay, so it was just like a car show, and he's he won with his rat rod as opposed to the tuners. That's cool. And then uh, he says, meant to tell you about this author, Jason R. Davis, just Jason Davis. He's a good author and has a supernatural feel to it, plus he has a lot of short stories. He used to be a truck driver, mm. too, so some of the themes of short stories are spooky road tales. It says, check out Ooh, Hatched. I, like I listen to all his books while driving. It sucks you in. That's cool. If you're looking Jason for one, Davis. Hatched. Hatched looks like the same, looks like the best one. Jason Davis added. Cool. I also want to give a shout out to Hector sent in a few uh, car pictures, which we will, of course, save. I mean, we have months and months and months of car pictures ahead of us, but you know, just keep sending them in. Yeah, no worries, man. We'll, we'll eventually get to them. It's not like we're not going to do them. It's just... Yep. Just no, not re- literally not anytime soon, because yeah. it's just, you know, we don't do a ton of them, but okay. But we got nothing but time. Next email from Wells Lamont. Still trucking fellas, still going strong. What up, Wells? How are you doing, buddy? Says, MacGruber is the second funniest in the world. First is Billy Madison. You were saying that you hadn't seen MacGruber, right? When I was no. talking about MacGruber a whole bunch of episodes ago? Yeah, I haven't seen it. But Billy Billy Madison is top tier. I mean, you and Wells seem to have similar tastes and stuff. I'd say check out MacGruber. Yeah, that's fair. Three summers ago, me and a couple buddies played pool almost every night. We put MacGruber on repeat for the five or six hours while we drank, smoked, ate, and played pool. It was awesome. I probably watched it 300 times in 2017. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the Guinness World Record. I can recite that movie backwards. Not a day goes by that I don't reference MacGruber. <laughs> I'm sure it's the Guinness World Record, and if you need somebody to to validate that, like I wish that I was a Guinness World Record validator for you so that we could put you in the book. Do you remember the books? 
man. Oh, I, yeah, I had, I had a few of the books, yeah. I mean, I think there still are books. I think they still make books. I like the I videos think. of it. Do you follow them on, like, social media? No. They st- obviously still do this, and they'll be like, new guy from New Zealand, like, you know, stomp the most cans in a row or something. And, like, they'll, like... Oh, I did see one of those. Yeah, because I, I don't know if that was a, I don't know if that was a Guinness one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, like, most watermelons broken with your face, and it's like... Yeah. So I like it in my newsfeed because, like, I'm so sick of every other possible postings. You know, yeah. Guinness World Records is like, yeah, this is wholesome enough for me to want to watch. Well, it says, not only are most of the old Looney Tunes racist, but most of the old Looney Tunes are racist as fuck. <laughs> Blackface, yes. Nazi propaganda, yep. Speedy Gonzalez, Foghorn Leghorn, so many random episodes as well. Yep. Used to be able to rifle off way more of them, but it's been a while. Every Looney Tunes cartoon I watched when I was 5 to 10, was made in the 20s to the 80s. They were all extremely inappropriate. They're yep. very sought after now. You can purchase a bunch of them on eBay. I found a few at Rasputin. Deals all day at Ooh, Rasputin. Deals all day. And they're pretty wild. They still play it. I have one channel on Sling that plays Looney Tunes at night. Well, no, they're, I mean, they're not all, they're not entirely racist, they, but they have gotten rid, like, they've basically the, yeah, pulled they've a wiped bunch a, of them. Yeah, they've yeah. wiped a whole bunch of them. Yep. Also, speaking of that, I want to point out, I want to shout out Peacock, which I don't think we've talked about Peacock on here yet, but it's the Comcast Universal yeah. whatever streaming service, which Fast and Furious already left. Uh, it was on there for a day. Yeah, Jason sent us the thing, and we were laughing about it. They have on there basically my idea, which is the channels, right? It's all the different... Um, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so you can like just put on like the SNL channel, just like a random SNL episode, that like you and I could be watching the same SNL episode at the same time. We've been pitching and then, like, sync it up, you just put it on or whatever, right? So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like this idea. I, I wish that more things did. We were talking about this because we wanted it for Netflix, that you could just be like, yep. okay, f- you know, put on The Office, and it would just, like, be everybody would be playing the same version of The Office, like the same episode at the same time, in the middle of an episode or whatever. It's a great idea. I love it. I'm knocking out more episodes now, so eventually I'll be caught up. On one hand, I'm loving having an abundance of episodes to listen to, but on the other hand, it's overwhelming knowing you guys create so much glorious content, oh. and it'll still be a while before I'm waiting for episodes to drop. I like waiting for episodes. No more saying episodes. I've said it too much. Anyway, great episode. <laughs> said it again. As usual, I'll holler at you players on the flip. Peace out. Peace out, Wells. And we'll, you'll get the reminder for the family watch party soon. So Never Not Funny is that, that my, I talk about them a lot in one of my favorite podcasts, maybe my favorite podcast. They put out, normally in a normal thing, they put out two, usually two-hour episodes a week. And then now, in COVID, they've been doing an extra usually about an hour to 75 minutes on Saturdays. They just do like a bonus thing, right? Okay. But like I have, because of that, just the same thing like with our podcast, it's very easy to fall behind because if you don't keep up with it, you're like, oh shit, I'm 10 hours behind and I'm just like nine days back. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, you're, whoa, like how did I, how did I fuck this one up this bad? Yep. I've fallen way behind on those. And like, there's something really kind of cool about having like, oh, here's 20 new episodes that I haven't heard. But then you catch up. You're like, well, now what? Like now I have to wait. And like, <laughs> I'm glad that Wells likes the waiting, but it feels like, okay, I have one to watch every day for three weeks, and then it's like, well, wait, and I have to wait four days? Like, Yeah, what? I hate waiting, and that's why I can't do TV shows that, like, come on in normal... Well, I mean, besides, like, shitty reality TV, because that's, like, nonsense. It doesn't really matter. Like, a normal TV, like a drama, if it's mm-hmm. coming on, like, once a week, I can't do it anymore. My brain's just broken from it. Next email from Wes Hampton, Cedric Line, The Getaway. What up, fam? What up, Wes? How are you doing, bud? I didn't watch The Getaway, but I do love Steve McQueen in the few things I've seen him in. I wish I could watch all these movies before listening, but it's also kind of fun to hear you rambling through descriptions of scenes then something out of left field happens. You're talking about the veterinarian, then someone taking someone's wife hostage, then the guy kills himself, but you were nonchalant about it, and I was like, whoa, that suicide kind of came out of nowhere. It's a unique experience (laughs) 
I'll say that. Also, like, listening to us talk about these movies isn't really hearing people talk about the movies. Like, it kind of is sometimes, but, like, it's also just, like... It's more nonsense than anything, yeah. If someone just found, like, oh my god, Freebie and the Bean is my favorite movie of all time, I can't wait to hear this random podcast talk about it. Like, fuck, like, this has... What are, you, what are they even talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, you'd be, like, an hour in before you'd even get to it, so you'd be like, what the fuck Yeah, there's an hour happening? of nonsense, and then there's, like, 40 minutes of discussion, and they keep just framing it around the Fast and the Furious, so they're not even talking about... <laughs> Even if you've seen the movie, it's not a great discussion. I mean, you know, it's the it's the discussion we're going to have, so... You yeah, know. you guys are listening, so... But I will say that Suicide just did kind of come out of nowhere. Like, it wasn't, like, a thing that was really... Like, just, like, he got cucked, and then... Yeah, he cucked him in front of her, like, in front of him, while they... Like, he was tied up, and then, like, the next scene, he's just, like, hung himself. And everybody's yep. like, okay, cool. And they just, like, yeah. keep going along. Wes says, I confess, I still haven't seen Rad, but it's on my list for years. We have some friends who do a podcast about cult films, and Rad was an early episode. Speaking of, Joey, I'm sure you saw the Mondo poster release. Did you get it? I did indeed. And that was one that I was you like, got it? I said to my sister, yeah, I was like, I was like, I need you to also try this because I really want to get this poster. And we wound up each getting a poster. Oh, cool. Um, so she's going to sell hers on eBay and not like because there's so many people on Mondo who, like, there's, like, robots and stuff who, like, mm-hmm. out outdo the people. And, like, people get furious. And so they, like, instantly put it up on eBay for, like, three times the value. She's going to just sell it for basically, like, what she paid, which is good, you know, plus eBay fees or whatever. Yep. But she's like, should I sell it now or should I sell it when I get it? I was like, look, people are going to get mad if you put it up there now. Like, you're, you're going you're gonna to make money, but you're going to make money either way. Like, if people, if you sell it, somebody's going to buy it, right? So, yes. like, uh, I should just wait. Also, so, somebody's yeah, we, probably going to buy it and then resell it for hire <laughs> immediately yes. anyways. Anyways, exactly. so. I think the next week or maybe a, later that week like I hadn't bought anything from Mondo in forever like I don't think this calendar year I bought anything from Mondo Ooh. and then the next week they put out a really cool Palm Springs poster I talked about that movie last yes. episode yeah Wes and talked about I bought that, too. that poster too Wes was Wes liked Palm Springs as well he was telling me to watch it yeah Wes uh, then messaged me a bunch of his like Palm Springs theories to not spoil it for you and I was like oh cool and, like he's also like I know this is not how like normal people's brains works I'm like yeah I didn't think about any of this stuff <laughs> Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is such a comedy classic. We have a lot of movie-related holiday traditions, and as you know, every Thanksgiving we do a movie trilogy, but every Thanksgiving Eve, while we're prepping, we do we watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and also Dutch, the two best Thanksgiving movies ever made. I don't know Dutch. Do you I know Dutch? Nope, never heard of it. Dutch is from 1991, directed by Peter Feynman, starring Ed O'Neill, Ethan Embry, and Joe Beth Williams. To get to know his girlfriend's son, a man volunteers to pick him up from prep school, only to learn that her son's not the nicest kid. Mm. And it's a Thanksgiving okay. movie? I guess. Following an odd couple pairing, heading home for that Thanksgiving. Oh, you're going home for Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They're both 80s road trip comedies, and they both fuel my weird interest in old roadside bungalow-style motels. You know, the ones in 80s movies with separate mm, buildings instead of yes. a long stretch of rooms. Yes, 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 Anyway, yes, they're great like movies, highly recommended. Like Bates Motel-type situation. I've had many, quote, best Batman discussions. It's a tough choice. It depends on where on what you like in a Batman. We have a friend who hates the Nolan Batman movies because he says Batman doesn't use the detective skills like in the comics. Oh. So it's debatable, but whatever. Yeah. My favorites are probably Bale, Keaton and West. Those are three good Batmans. Those mm-hmm. are good Batmans for sure. Bale because Nolan's Batmans are so Batman movies are so good. The other two for nostalgia. I used to watch the Adam West show all the time. When I played Arkham City, I got the Adam West skin and mostly used that. It was hilarious, but it made the game even more fun. That is cool. On the subject of Robert Pattinson, I have real high hopes. I think he can only be good. 
I have reservations about the script, but my fingers are crossed. Same, dude. And we like Robert Pattinson. We said that, yeah. Our very passionate friend JB is a lifelong Batman fan. He was so excited by the announcement. He loves Robert Pattinson, so it's hard not to be caught up in that mood. Yeah, yeah, same, same. He says, as you know, Spider-Man's my favorite, and I have a lot of feelings on it, good and bad. I'll keep it brief and say I have a lot of nostalgic love for Tobey Maguire and even Spider-Man 3. I also enjoy Tom Holland, the MCU movies, but it's not my favorite version of Peter Parker. Motivations aren't quite there for me. Lastly, Into the Spider-Verse. It's hands down the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Agreed. 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 We also have Nicolas Cage in there, of yep. course. So Into the Spider-Verse is fuck, it's, it's just beautiful, too. If, if anybody's yep. listening that hasn't seen it yet, like adult, child, anything, just go fucking watch. It's a great movie. The guys who made that, Lord and Miller, and I think the, animating stu- the animation studio has basically said that the, what they're doing for the sequel is going to make the first one look like, I don't remember what the word, but like they basically made it seem like the first one's going to be nothing compared to the second one, just visually. It's like, how do you, I don't know how, I don't know how you do, I don't how know you step where it up you with, go. Like, the color melts and like all the weird shit, the cell shading and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm excited for it. I'm glad they're making another one. I didn't. I don't think I knew that they were making. I mean, like I assumed that they'd make another yeah. one, but I didn't know that they were. Mike and I saw that like a week before it came out. Like the movie theater by his house was having like just like a regular like anybody could buy tickets, but like had an advanced screening, and they gave everybody in the theater surveys to fill out. And okay. then, like, fill out one side of it, like, before you see the movie, then one side of it after you see the movie. It's like, well, what do you want more from the movie, whatever? And we're both like, just give us a Nicolas Cage Spider-Man movie, please, and thank you. Like, just everything was, like, Nicolas Cage themed. Like, whoever read those surveys probably like, this isn't helpful. Like, this, what? Stop it. Like, who? Yeah, this no. is so dumb. Why would we ever do that? I love the PS4 game, and I'm pumped for the Miles Morales one for PS5. Yeah, I have not played the PS4 game. I have it. I just, I you know, yeah. I, I, I want to play video games more than I actually do. But I will, I will, I hope to play it soon. Okay. Won't drag this back up. We had a long conversation about Tokyo Drift. And I'm glad I convinced both of you that you were just confused, and I'm actually right, and the scene makes perfect <laughs> sense. Glad I could put that to rest to you. No need to ever bring it up again, at least not until somebody else watches it or we watch Tokyo Drift, yeah. Yeah, we, we had a long discussion with Wes, and I can finally firmly say that the only conclusion that we can all agree on is that Sean and his family are a mess. Most likely, all of them fucked up somehow. Oh, yeah, no, the whole family is chaos. Like, at the core of it, like, we could all agree with that. Like, who is specifically responsible for this is very debatable because of shitty writing in the script, maybe shitty line delivery, impossible ad-libs. At the core of it, they're all just a mess. So, yeah. Yeah, Wes, like, brought it up in our chat and then, like, went to do something and came back an hour later. He's like, I got 100 messages here, and I was like, please don't say the podcast is over. Please don't say like, he's talking. <laughs> <laughs> like ruined everything. There was a comedian, Pablo Francisco. Do you remember Pablo Francisco? Yeah, he did a lot of impressions. It reminded me, like, kind of, like this is not what West did, but it reminds me of like he did a thing about Jerry Springer. Where he's just like, here's a knife, do something with the knife. He just yes. like puts a knife down and it's like <laughs> yes, walks away. Yes, yes, I remember. And this. so West is basically like, so Tokyo Drift, huh? Do something with that, and then just like steps away. <laughs> hundred messages of Joey and I go like like posting the script. But like you, you script. I got you to a point where you agreed with me, and then like you backpedaled from agreeing. But like for a while, you were like, "Oh yeah, no, like we're both like I see where you're coming from." And then all of a sudden, like it pivoted, and you're like, "Now nah, we're you know whatever." But I, like that's one where I just don't care. I just everybody. No, Wes, everybody's Wes's wrong. point. Wes's point was that his dad was compensating for thinking his mom was a moron. Which would put him at fault, which could possibly be true. But then you, like, read the script, and you're like, well, that doesn't explain this part of this line, so why would he have said that? And you're assuming that Sean is telling the truth about what day it is, and he's not confused. And there's just, like, a whole bunch of chaos that happens that we'll bring up when we get to Tokyo Drift with Nico That's the most important thing, which I think we only recently added to the argument, is that, like, the core of this, who we're seeing this from, is Sean, who is very clearly a fuck-up. Like, we say the whole family is, like, Sean especially, right? Like, boy, oh boy, yeah, if we 
if we, he's the arbiter of truth, like, there's an unreliable narrator there, I can tell you that much. Yeah, because the dad's like, you're supposed to be here on the 7th, and Sean's like, it is the 7th. One of them is not telling the truth, and you don't know which one it is, right? But, like, the dad yep. doesn't confirm that it's not the 7th, just Sean thinks it's the 7th. So, yes, there you go. That's the whole argument over again. So And then Wes says, that's it for today, just a lot of superhero talk, but that's always fun, and FNF talk isn't that far off from superhero talk anyway. Until True. next time, stay furious. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for writing, and thanks for getting us all fired up about Tokyo Drift and Sean's dad again. Hector sends in the email, subject line, I got something to say. What up, Hector? Hey, you old bitch. Hello, you old bitch. That's the whole email. <laughs> that was it? That was this the email? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you, it's fun to say, man. Hello, you old bitch. All right, our next email is from Long Time No Emails, a subject line from Emma Franklin. What up, Emma? How are you? She says, hey, guys, good news. I'm not dead. I just live in Arizona and things keep happening. I see. In the news. <laughs> things mm-hmm. do keep happening in Arizona. That's true. I thought I'd give you some life updates and some commentary. First up is the life stuff. I still work in a COVID lab, so things are busy. I yep. work weird hours, and well, you can imagine how things are going if you turn on the news. Yep. Stay safe, please. Yep. But uh, you're in a lab. I, I'm sure that you're using PPE and stuff. I always tell people this. They're like, man, like you're around like COVID samples. And I'm like, yeah, but like in the safest possible, like we're like super squatted up, right? Like. Yeah, you're not like inhaling gear. fumes. Yeah, I'm not like licking it with my like I'm not opening stuff with my mouth. Like you know, you're wearing gloves and sleeves and there's a hood, everything. So yeah. She says, "I got two new kittens, Burton and Eve." She puts a picture. I'm putting the picture Ooh. in here. They're 14 weeks old and collectively weigh five pounds. Oh my god, they're two cute beans. Look how sleepy this guy is. He's so sleepy. Yeah, I like it. They're cute. They're the other one looks like he cats. might be like looking off, but he's probably just asleep. It's probably like one of those heads up, just you know. Yeah. Yeah, like just nodding. They're small kittens, too. This still has, like, the kitten, like, eye squintiness going on here. I forgot about a fourth car guy in my life. My brother-in-law is a car hobbyist. I don't Mm. actually know what that means. Neither do I, but, you know, he's just into... Oh, God, what's the comedian? He's like a boat enthusiast. Is that Mitch Hedberg? It is Mitch Hedberg. If you boat a lot, you're known as a boating enthusiast. I like to boat, but I don't ever want to be referred to as a boating enthusiast. I hope they call me a guy who likes to boat. (laughs) Now, for the commentary about the Whataburger vs. In-N-Out, I'm on neither side. I'm allergic to sesame. Ooh. So I avoid burger places altogether because I'm never sure if I'm going to have an allergic reaction or not. I also can't eat bread at certain sandwich places. Oof. Oh, that sucks, man. And I fucking love... Dude, we've been using a ton of sesame oil and like all kinds of like Asian dishes and sauces that we make and I love sesame oil too I feel bad for you I'm sorry I was almost a teacher so I know how to format a question for tests and quizzes and what I was told was to give one obvious wrong answer and the rest fairly close to the right one okay that's good that's good good guidance yeah we ask people to see if like we have not gotten feedback on that like whether these questions like your idea of like particular things are bullshit like i think or if they're fair i don't know i, I don't we, know i try to make all the answers very similar well but you and you always throw in one wrong answer so like i guess that we've we've learned that we've adapted that yeah you always put mm-hmm. like one that's like a way off the scale answer and then we make like three that are like hard to choose from i think i already emailed you about where my dad and i stand on the sean's dad versus mom oh, here we go <laughs> i said it wasn't gonna happen until somebody else brings it up and here we go his dad is wrong he is the adult who needed to confirm with both the mom and Sean about Sean's arrival. Also, the sex worker thing is what you do if you have a free night and you're single and you're in the military, at least according to my dad, who's also a military man. That is a very comfortable relationship you have with your father. I don't think I would ever... Well, but no, but you could, even if you're a dad, you could be like, I know a lot of guys that did this, which means like, I, I did probably this. did this, but I'm not going to say that I did this. Asking for a friend, but... Yeah, exactly. Someone, someone who is me... 
Swim wants to know. <laughs> I am glad, though, that Emma's on my side. I finally have someone firmly in my corner, so shout out Emma. Yeah, but uh, we, you heard the you heard the previous conversation. I'm not going to argue with Joey about it again right right now. We shout just argued about it. <laughs> shout out Emma. Shout out now, Emma. for random stuff, my friends and I did a shipping analysis with the possible relationships in the Fastiverse. Mm. What we found is the possible ships are more gender balanced, which means the possible ships were relatively equal male-male, female-female, and male-female relationships. Okay. She does not give details. I would like to know. I mean, I think the biggest, the most obvious one is Dom Bryan. Dom Bryan, yeah. Rico Tego, The New Theory. Probably Letty Mia. Uh, I guess. I don't know that they really show affection toward each other. Yeah, that's true. They just kind of, they coexist. I don't see... And Rico Tego, if they're not brothers, right? Right. Like, we always call them the brothers, but we don't know that they're brothers. They could be cousins. If they're not cousins, then they're definitely, like, a married couple. So I can see some Vince Bryan. Some Vince Bryan. The opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference, right? And like, if they hate each other, if he if there's Vince a passion, Bryan, there is there's a, passion. a strong, there's a strong emotion there, right? So like, yeah, like you know, you they're know, fighting, and then all of a sudden, like they just step close to each other and then make out, you know. And this is cool. In this episode, spoiler, we talk about a lot of interesting relationship stuff in the back half with Nico and Kevo. So, well, that's it for me. I hope everyone's staying safe, Emma. Well, thank well, you, Emma. Thanks for writing in, Emma. Glad to hear that you're safe and okay. And good luck with the kittens, man. They're super cute. Very much so. Very, very much so. Another email from Wells, subject line 100. What up, Wells? Congrats on 100 episodes. I hope I get to say congrats on 1,000 one day. I hope so, too, This is where I'm at my comeback. That's it for now. Actually, I tried Ubi Gelato, U-B-E Gelato, and wow, it's dumbass delicious. Google that if you don't know. It's nothing like you think. The Joes are my bros. Peace. So you you know ubi gelato? I know what ubi fruit is. Well, it's like this is like apparently gelato. It seems like made out of sweet potato. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ubi is ubi and taro the same thing? Ubi is known as a purple yam as a tuberous root vegetable. It's colored between deep purple and even white. Taro is also a root vegetable known as gabi in the Philippines. It's commonly white but can be slightly gray or lavender. So they're both root vegetables, different colors. Yeah. So they're they're essentially like sweet potatoes, right? And both, I yeah, both love mm-hmm. I fucking love taro flavored uh, frozen yogurt. It's like my favorite flavor. So yes, I'm familiar with these things. I've had ubi stuff. I thought that ubi and taro were the same thing. They're both just sweet root vegetables. They're sweet potato. They're like a type of sweet potato kind of. That's awesome. I didn't know, I, I would love to try the gelato. I bet it's really good. I'm with you. And also somehow these because of like the rootiness, the taro flavor is like almost almost don't kill me for this. Almost has like a weird chocolatey kind of flavor to it. I don't know what kind of chocolatey properties it has to, in my brain, but it like almost tastes like a little bit like a weird chocolate. So. And our last email is from Jerry Robinson, subject line Kanye moment. He had a Kanye moment or a moment of Kanye? I don't know. We'll find out. Hey guys, quick thing about Kanye's presidential run. I saw that he got at least 2% of votes in a state, which surprised me. What state was it? Wyoming, where he lives? What even state did he get 2% in? No, in a national presidential poll, he got 2%. And what happened surprisingly is that it took from trump not from biden which i guess it's just who can i it's people voting for like who has the bigger ego maybe (laughs) clout chasers it's like if you could vote from snapchat you'd have a really good chance tiktok if you could vote on tiktok that's interesting because we always like we were saying that we assumed that it would be like stealing Biden's vote, but I guess it kind of makes sense that if you're, like, already voting for one celebrity, then you'd vote for another celebrity you like more. So that makes sense. I guess. This country's fucked up. It is. It's a fucking hellscape right now. Jerry says, I love Rasputin. When I was younger, I'd go there with my grandfather, and then it was next to a famous pizza shop known as Blondie's that shut down. Oh, 
I love music stores like Rasputin, Amoeba, and Tower. Amoeba just shut down, I think. Amoeba just closed. I think like maybe right before COVID. I don't know. I don't. I, th- I don't think that they closed everywhere. I think they closed like a flagship store though. Like the main one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Tower shut down a while ago. If you have not, Jerry, if you have not watched uh, the rise and fall of Tower, or this too shall pass, or all things must pass, just search the rise and fall of Tower Records. Colin Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks' son did a documentary about the rise and fall oh, of Tower Records. That's kind of cool. Like, he, he basically grew up in Tower. There's a podcast called This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me, where they have these two, the two hosts have a different, usually like an actor or comedian or whoever, go on and talk about a particular album that meant a lot to them growing up. And so he went oh, on to talk about cool. the Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. And like in there, he went really in depth with like his growing up with music and like him living in Sacramento and whatever. But he had this whole documentary about the rise and fall of Tower because he loved Tower Records. So I don't remember much about the documentary. I remember enjoying it. I didn't have this like, like I didn't grow up near a Tower. So I don't have any kind of, yeah, emotional you know, like attachment our, to it. Yeah. We had like coconuts and we had something else, but like I didn't really even go to those a lot. You know what I mean? Like I just uh, didn't. What did I have? I had, I forget it. There was, there was definitely, I had had a record store in Pittsburgh that I used to go to a lot, but that's when I was like 18 to 20 when I was buying like new albums and stuff, and that's gone, and I had a music store like when you would buy CDs that I would go to, but I forget the name of it, and I think it was just like a generic like whatever bought and became FYE or you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and like, FYE sucks. Like that's it it's, it's It was a very corporate yeah. overpriced bullshit experience. Yep. The exactly. coconuts. There was one other one that I, I I can't remember. It was sad to me, like, because I, I never even had like you know close affinity toward that. But it's just like school. It's still cool to have like a media shop, and then like for it to become like a clothing outlet. It's just like that's mm. so stupid. Yeah, another Ann Taylor. That's what we need. Fucker. Jerry says I have a bunch of old vinyls leading back to when my parents were young. My favorite and the vinyl I cherish the most, besides all eighty of them my family owns, is the Thriller vinyl by Michael oh, Jackson. That's a fucking classic album. Yeah, and the picture, the everything. Damn. Yeah. Super cool. Actually, I should probably get a copy of Thriller. That sounds like a good one. I was just thinking the other day, like, I was like, I need a copy of the White Album by the Beatles, and Thriller's up there of, like, albums that I should just go. I'm sure that there's, like, a bajillion copies of them, right? This was an album that was, like, the most selling album Oh, yeah, it was, the, it was the best-selling album of all time, I think. Yeah, so, like, I'm sure that I could find, you know, a nice used copy for a dollar or whatever, and I need to add it just to have. I wonder if you guys will do a common heist lap featuring an all-star cast like the Ocean Series and Takers. We're talking about Takers again. We talked about doing a high slap. We're definitely going to do a high slap at some point. Yes, it's in the works for sure. It's, it's I've like got a bunch of down. movies lined up already. Yep. I will say our Friday movie, Widows, is a great heist movie. So if you have not it seen is. that yet, yep. check out, and again, all-star cast. You know, regular kind Super. of normal normal heist, all-star cast. So many people in this movie, yeah. Talking about Takers, I love that movie for so many reasons. Paul Walker with his old-school car fast connection. And since I'm a big Star Wars fan, seeing Hayden Christensen, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker, for now, that's all I got. Be fast and not last. Be fast, Jerry. Thank you, buddy, for writing in. And thank you, everybody, that wrote in, because that was a great... I mean, again, we had, you know, we recorded four days ago, and we had, like, nine emails or something, right? From, like, six different people. This was, like, a really fucking solid gambit of mailbag. Like, I'm, I'm impressed with you guys. Like, this was... <laughs> no, I really am. Like, I mean, like, yeah. you know, normally we get... Like, they're all good, but, like, this was, like, a well-versed mailbag. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, Joe, on the streets, Fast and Furious news, there is the one thing that's been going around that Jason sent us, that Melissa sent me, and I was like, oh, we're already on top of it, which is something that we kind of knew about, but I don't think we knew the full extent of it, because we were talking about in Tokyo Drift, 
how difficult it is to film in like Shibuya Crossing and how they don't really yes. like it's just overwhelming whatever and so there was this news that came out quote unquote news on Screen Rant that said that the studio knew it was going to be tricky and they hired a guy to pretend he was Justin Lin and so when the cops got wind that they were shooting a movie and they're like where's your director where's Justin Lin they had some guy who like spend a night in prison jail not prison but a night in jail you know arrested for doing this wrong so they hired a fall guy to keep (laughs) justin lynn free and help make the movie it's like it's such a crazy like it's a small story but it's a funny kind of crazy it's a good story this always reminds me that like wiz khalifa has this guy had had this guy burner forever right who now like owns a weed shop in california his whole job was he was just his weed handler wiz khalifa would always be like smoking weed but he would never be holding like the bag of weed and like the joints and like stuff like that if he's in a place that like isn't legal so like if the cops came they'd be like like what are you doing he'd be like oh sorry i was just hold like i was just smoking this joint which you're like not really gonna get arrested for but then there's like a guy holding like two ounces of weed standing right next to him and like this guy's whole job was just to be like get arrested if wiz khalifa gets busted with weed jesus all right yeah you know it's a it's a very similar thing it cracks me up is there any other news that you've seen besides that no yeah vin diesel's birthday was over the weekend so happy birthday vin Yep. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else though, right? I mean, again, it feels like we're probably, I mean, maybe not, because like as movies keep getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and things aren't really happening, maybe we're not going to have trailers. I feel like they're, you know, studios are trying to figure out, they're, I think they're more interested in like, can we keep the release dates we have as opposed to like, can we promote movies that aren't out yet, right? So I really, we might not have a trailer point, for a while. At this point, you know that we don't watch trailers, but like, I would kill for more trailers and less advertisements from companies showing you how much they think that they care about their employees because of COVID. Like, I would take 20 spoiler trailers right now as opposed to Amazon telling me that everybody's wearing a mask in a warehouse right now because I'm so sick of them. Joe, the time has come for the Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and the Furious Hall of Fame results. So we put it out there to the world. I have no idea. 25 nominees, 25 nominations. We had 37 votes, which I think is a pretty good... A couple people voted twice, but it's mostly... It's like, I think probably 35 or something different people. So basically it feels like... And I was tracking, keeping track of the emails who came in. I think almost everybody who like consistently writes in here, plus some people I don't know, all voted for this thing. But like the core group, yes, the family, our family, yep. voted, which is the important thing. Because like, again, it could be widespread. We didn't really put it too much on Facebook, I don't think. But like the people listen to the show, Facebook, did we? Maybe, maybe once, maybe okay. once. It was mainly for the real crew anyways. Like, I mean, like yeah. if it would have spread, it would have spread. But like it was for people that are picking and listening. If you didn't listen, then like what the fuck are the... Like, some of the awards would be, like, really weird, so, yeah. So the way that it worked is that everybody had up to 10 votes to cast. Mm -hmm. Anything that got more than 75% yeses, and a non-vote is a no. So it's not like just saying, like, if you vote for just, say, only vote for Dom, that means the other 24 you say no. So it means that all those things have to have even more to catch up, right? So you had up to 10 votes out of the 25. Anything with 75% or more is going to get enshrined. Anything with less than 10% falls off the docket, and anything between 10 and 75 just stays on there. Okay. So I'm looking at the results, Joe, and how do you want me to do this? Do you want to know first if things fell off? Do you want to know first if things got in? Do you want me to go through all the results? Like, I want, because I, I have the numbers, but I don't have a good way to do this. So how do you, as in this case, basically a listener, how do you want to hear the results? What what are you most excited about? What are you most curious? What are you most worried about? What do you want to know first? Give me the stuff that is in the Hall of Fame first. 
Okay. And give me the stuff that fell off, and then we'll talk about like what stayed. Is that cool? Yes. That's how so, I want to hear it. So you said, I believe, and I don't remember, I wrote this down somewhere at some point, I don't know. You said you thought we are going to have five things inducted, and I said six, right? Because we're trying to figure out the oh, maximum, yeah. whatever. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had two. Two. Two things got in. Yeah. Okay. With 31 out of 37 votes, and 32 out of 37 votes, both in the mid-80 percentile, Brian and Dom. Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto, and Brian O'Connor, Paul Walker are two, yep, that makes two sense. Fast, Two Forever Hall of Fame. First ballot Hall of Famers. First ballot, yeah. Dude, they just crush it. I mean, like, th- that's fair and makes sense and is perfectly acceptable to me. And Brian actually got one extra vote. He got 32. Dom got 31. So th- there's at least one person out there who thinks Brian's a Hall of Famer, but Dom is not. Yeah, true. We had other things that were close. We had two that were in the 70s, but the low 70s, they did not qualify. Um, do you want to know those, or should I keep those as a secret? Keep those as a secret. I mean, tell me, but keep those as a secret. <laughs> we only had one thing fall off. Everything Ooh. else, I was worried. I thought we might have a lot of things drop off. You were you know, super nervous about this. You were, like, really scared that we were going to have, like, a bunch of stuff that just came off. So the right. vote was spread around a lot, minus, yeah, like, so, you know... So 37 people, which means that at least four had to vote on everything. And so everything got at least four. There were two two things that got exactly four, so two things barely, barely, barely held on. But the only thing that fell off, and I will give a shout-out to friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, she's the only one who voted for the joke-slash-meme of the impossibility of the Too Fast, Too Forever quiz. That is gone. That is has to wait. Oh. It's five years. So that means next year, when we do this again, when we do the second ballot Hall of Famer, whenever we do, I don't know if it's going to be every lap, probably not every lap, but, you know, every year or whatever, we have to add two more characters, unless we want to mix it up. But I think this, I think when 22 of the 25 stay the same, I think the structure almost kind of has to stay the same. Yeah. But I think we can add two new characters and we can add one new meme, which I feel like the meme that we don't have on there is the the Tokyo Drift argument. I mean, we could talk about this later. That's, I'm totally fair with Sean's dad. Is Sean's dad right or wrong? Yeah, who's wrong? Sean's mom, Sean's dad, Sean, or all of them, right? And that's just, yeah. Or the script writers. Can you put the script right? Who's wrong? Sean's mom, Sean's dad, Sean, or the script writer? Or us for just wasting so much time on this. (laughs) Yeah, true. Very true. But yeah, so everything else stays. So 22 of the 25 stay, which means that, so now that these like overwhelming favorites are gone we're going to replace them with who knows two other characters we'll figure that out we'll see who gets inducted next year i thought we you know see this is going to be great though because once you got dom and brian out of it and they're in so that like frees up two votes and i think the next ballot will be a few more getting in all those like 70 ones like they're still super popular right so like Mm -hmm. we're gonna get like a bunch more of those because you you don't have to vote for dom and brian now Dom and Brian are the right two first ballot guys. Like, I have no qualms with this, so you guys did a good job. And I will say that of the five little categories, the one, the overwhelming, even factoring out Dom and Brian, the one that's overwhelmingly the most people voted on were the characters, characters, actors. Like, that was the clearest, easiest decision, I think, for a lot of people. Everything else was kind of, sort of, a lot hovering between, like, say... 20 and 50 percent like there's a lot you know which is also fair so there's certain things that you know were close but you know whether it's the stunts or the jokes and memes or the movies or the vehicles you know they were all 
in that ballpark, like, safe, like, not going to be kicked off or whatever, not inducted either. The other wrinkle that we have to consider, and we don't have to do this yet, we can do this in 5 or 10 or whatever, and I don't know what the actual base, like, what MLB does. There's a thing, like, if you're on the ballot for 5 or 10 years and you don't get inducted, you get kicked off forever until, like, the special com- committee can, like, induct you later. So we have to think about that, not anytime okay. soon, yeah. but, like, say, for instance, like, um, like what's one on here? Like, Brian and Dom jumping, you know, whatever, like a stunner scene, right, where they're jumping right if that's on the ballot for 10 years and it doesn't get in but it doesn't get off like is there if it's on there for that long is it, it ever to gonna go. get in you no. know what i mean yeah, yeah so we fair. can figure that out eventually we don't yep. have that yet who knows we're still early in. we got nothing but time we're still we're early in the game time. but congratulations Dominic Toretto and brian o'connor to vin diesel and paul walker for being the first ballot hall of famers in the too fast too forever fast and furious hall of fame amen and thank you all for voting yeah thank you guys that was awesome i appreciate it All right, Joe, the last thing we have to do before I take a break and bring in Nico and Keva, we are not doing a Fast oh. and Furious Minute. Oh, my God. We are instead talking about the deleted scenes from the Fast and the Furious. So there are 11 of them. This is going to be longer than, I think, a minute, normal minute breakdown because there's so much good stuff. If you so want to watch them, go to youtube.com slash too fast to forever. Check out the playlists. And there is a playlist on there with four videos. There's the six that are on, or maybe there's the nine. There's... There's nine. I think there's nine deleted scenes. There's the six that are on the Blu-ray and the DVD, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all in one video. And then there are three more that are just on YouTube but not on the disc. So I don't know why those aren't on the disc, but you found them all. We put together a playlist. They're on there, youtube.com slash too fast, too forever. I thought about putting the audio in here, no, but sometimes it's it, it wouldn't necessarily work. Yeah. yeah. So Take a pause. Go watch them. Yeah, before you listen to this, go watch them. There's a lot of interesting shit, and you probably want to see it before we spoil it, ruin it for you. So Yep. So let's go through the six in like the chunk first, and then we'll do the three extra ones, if that's okay? Yeah, that's fine. Let me get my notes up. I took like really sporadic notes. I know that you took notes, but mine were just like word vomit as fast as it was happening. Go ahead. Yeah, we got to figure out, because we've each seen these, I think, at least probably four times by now. At least four. At least four. We got to figure out if we're going to do these for the minute or not, probably. I want to say what yes. order. I don't know, but we'll figure that out as we get toward the end of this lap. But the first one on the disc, they all have different versions, different names sometimes on YouTube. The first one on the disc is called Brian and Mia Walk to Her Car, and this is immediately after he gets her a Snapple in the dining room and they're leaving the party. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's pre-them going to the cha-cha-cha? Okay, so there is a little bit more that you do not you do not know because you don't have the actual discs, you just have digital copies. So on yes, the discs, yes. there are also director's commentary, at least on these, on the, on the first six, from Rob Cohen saying why they cut it. And this, they said that the previous scene in the dining room. So this is definitively after okay. party. Because we were like, how do we know that Mia's like a med student or studying biology or whatever, right? Because like there was some fact somewhere, and it's from the scene, that she's studying med, that Brian says she's going to be a nurse. And she's like, oh, if I was a dude, you'd have thought I'd been a doctor, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just yes. a sexist grease monkey. Mm-hmm. The craziest thing in the scene, as she's talking to Brian oh about God, how like, say it. Yep. the pressure of Dom wants her to like, be a doctor, but he doesn't think about how she has to like get all straight A's and go to med school and blah blah blah. She has an impression of Dom, which it's is amazing. So good. She's like, Mia, come on already, get on it. I was like, wow, that is so good. Yeah, we don't see that too often in movies. It's actually like a thing that like I think movies don't do often and is weird because in my real life, like my friends always do impressions of each other. You know what I mean? I think what's difficult about this is that, like, is it's an actor playing a character doing an impression of a character portrayed by an actor. And there's, like, the extra layer of, like, are you doing a Dominic Toretto impression? Are you doing or a Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel impression? impression? It's, like, yeah. 
it's it's a weird it's not a bad thing but just like i don't know what this actually is you're doing a vin diesel impression with dom's character's words yeah that's what you have to be doing because it's not like he's like batman or something you know what i mean like he's he's playing dom but he is still vin diesel like he's delivering it without like a weird voice or accent or something Mm -hmm. and so brian you know he's like well at least he you know at least dom believes in you and she says yeah he believes in me he's believing in me to death he's on my ass 24 7 so i like that dom here is kind of like father figure right like we knew yes yeah from the fast five scene i remember everything about my father like (laughs) we know that like his dad helped me with homework homework, right and so it feels like dom is following in in his father's footsteps and making sure that mia sticks to the books yeah, he, but except he can't do medical school homework for her. But he can still be like, this is important, you have to do this. Exactly, and be on her ass a little bit about it. And he's like, oh, well, like, that's good, whatever. But, like, she's like, no, I think he just wants me to, like, be able to stitch him up. What does she say specifically, like, when he crashes? Why do you think it means so much to him, Brian says. And she says, maybe he wants me to put him back together for free when he crashes. And don't we see a scene later that Mia stitches up Dom? Like, isn't she, like, the family nurse? I think in one of the movies, like, Dom is, like, his shoulder or his arm or something. Yeah, when Letty shoots him. Are you confusing that with Jack and Kate from Lost? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, when, when Letty shoots him in the shoulder, doesn't Mia, like, stitch him up? Oh, maybe. Maybe. We have to, like, pay attention to that. So that's, like, a really cool foreshadowing. She does become the nurse of the family, right? Yeah. So that's actually, that whole train of thought there is one of the main reasons why Rob Cohen said they cut it. So number one, he said it was too florid and overwritten, just kind of too wordy. Like there's just too much going on. He says he also didn't believe them in the scene. And the scene before said everything they knew about like, about Dom, about the relationship, about where everything fit. But he also said that the foreboding of Vin's death seemed fake and not necessary. That it felt like, oh, it's saying like, oh, he's going to die. Something's bad. Something bad is going to happen to Dom. We don't need that. I didn't see it as a as a foreshadowing of death i saw it as a foreshadowing of like his ultimate coming to grips with his own mortality not in the death sense but like when he crashes could mean like when he gets caught when he wrecks his car when he dies or when he goes to jail or you know what i mean it's like i i think it's more explicitly literal like when he is in need of medical (sighs) attention and he can't go to the cops like what we're talking about with the getaway like she is his illegal veterinarian, basically, right? Like, yeah. he knows somebody who, who he can go to and be like, I can't go to the cops. I was shot. I got in an accident, whatever. I was stealing trucks, or you know what I mean? Like, she's the one who could tend to Vince's wounds if they, they can't go to a hospital because, like, they were jacking a truck, right? Like, she does literally say this, but I think that she even meant it that I can't say, like, when it comes crashing down, but, like, she needs to, to stitch him up figuratively when this comes crashing down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's I think, just I how think I it probably works it. both ways. Yeah. It does. Yeah, so I didn't take it as like a... She might have to stitch him up physically. She is going to school for a doctor, but I think that that was her like roundabout way of saying like, when I have to clean up his shit, that I'll be the one there. Because she, cause sure. Brian doesn't know at this point that Dom is actually the one stealing the trucks, right? Like he does, but he doesn't. So that was, like, her, like, kind of, like, you know, kicking the grass, like, if I have to clean up his shit after him and stuff. Anything else about this scene, or should we go on to the next one? No, I think that we should go on to the next one. Some of these are great, and we have a lot to say, and I think that some of them are just, like, okay. So the next one is very short. It is called Tanner and Brian in Police House, which I think is a very funny, like, that feels like the name of, like, a Tim and Eric 
show, like just called like Police House. Like they have Beef House, but like <laughs> Police House, just like a bunch of cops living together. <laughs> this is crazy to me. Go Tanner's ahead. talking about the, the quote is talking about Bilkins. Like this is after I think after Bilkins reams out Brian. This right? is exactly what like I felt back. too. Yep, that's where it is. Yep. And so he says he's under a tremendous amount of pressure, just like we are. God, it's getting hard to be in law enforcement. And this is 2001, I by know. the way. Just keep that in mind. And then he says, I which know. is the craziest line that would have been in the movie. We got OJ on the street, officers in jail, nobody likes us anymore. Then he says, come on, let's get you back out there. Dude, and when I saw like, this one, what? I was like, wow, and holy fuck would we have had a lot to talk about if this was still in the movie, like, the past two months, right? Like, I mean, forever, but especially right. the past two months. I watched these before you watched them, and I watched, you know, obviously in order, and I was like, this first scene, Mia doing an impression, like, that's... It's crazy. It's and then we get here, and then I'm like, because I'm like, oh my god. And then like I just, I just say to you, like, oh my god. And then like we go here, and he's like, oh, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and like, and then the next, yep. it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> and I can't say what's happening. And then I realized, oh, we can't even talk about these tonight I know, because we're not doing the I intro. Know. So like, I was sitting on these, and then you watch them. You're like, fuck. Like we were both like, how do we, we not talk ourselves. about OJ? For four days, like, oh my god. How do we not talk about OJ or him saying everybody really hates the cops right now? And we're like, bro, you don't even fucking know how bad it's going to get. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> but Rob Cohen said he liked this shot because it's a different perspective of the house, which I think would be very good for the minute. It's like yes, a different because it has, the, it has the picture wall behind Brian from the other side. Like, normally we see, like, you come in through the door, they're in, like, a room that's looking into the... I think where we are is through the end of the kitchen. I'm not sure. I think, because... I, I, okay, if we're you, to the if right, you walk... We're in... to the right of the door as you enter, because Brian right. enters so, at the I, picture right. wall. So I think that's what it is, though. I think when you walk in the house, there's the curved wall in front of you, right? And then to the okay. left is the computer yes. room. Yes. And then I think to the right is this room, which I think is basically what it is. But then I think to get from this room to the computer room, you can either go around the curved hallway or you can go through the kitchen hallway, basically. So the curved wall is the back of the kitchen? Yes. Like, okay. where there's a dirty TV, and the back of the dirty TV is against the wall that, like, abuts kind of the curved wall. That that makes perfect sense to me. I think that that layout is correct as well. So there's like, the curved hallway, and then, like, you go all the way to the rent. And I don't know what this space actually is supposed to be. Like, I guess, like, another office or whatever, right? It could be that office that we see all the boxes in when you look through the kitchen. Yes. Yes, I think it's that. But, like, that's just a bigger room that encompasses, like, you could either be on the left side of the wall or, like, the other side where the kitchen is. It's, like, a right. bigger room that is yeah. on, like, the side of the house. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Because also we have to keep in mind that this actually is a real house. If they didn't make, like, a weird set that doesn't make sense, like, they're actually filming in a house, so, like, the, the geography of it all has to make sense, right? Like, it has to... The house doesn't exist anymore, but it did work right. at some point, yeah. So he liked that part of it, but he said references to OJ seemed, quote, hopelessly outdated and forced, which, yeah, even, like, seven years later, it's like, what? You can't, what? Come on, man. I bet cops in LA were still talking about it, but... Oh, I'm sure they still yeah. are now, yeah. Well, I mean, then there was the revival of, like, OJ things and stuff like that with, like, yes. the Made in America and stuff, so... Well, even, like, 2008 when he, you know, in Vegas, and then there's the yeah. Made in America, yeah, everything, right? So. Yep. Now he's on Twitter sending messages to Antonio Brown, so... He's got a lot of getting even to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else about this scene, do you? No, that was, that was it. This is actually, like, one of the more mild ones, so... Yes, but you talked about everything that I did want to talk about. Perfect. So the next one is, I think, the explicitly worst. the worst one. It's called it's Brian so and Jesse 
outside Toretto's garage. And this even, like, before we even say what the scene is, Rob Cohen said, it's not needed. There's so much better to start with the design of the Supra. So we didn't need this bit of the stall. So basically, this is one where it's a little ambiguous exactly where it falls. But I guess maybe before it comes Jesse right puts before, the disc in. Yep, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think that he's like, hey, Brian, I was up all night. I got an idea. Bring, he's like, let me go pee. And then he's they were going to bring him in, and he puts the disc in the computer. And you don't need that at all. It's like right. so useful. This is like the first scene that I saw that I was like, yep, cut it. Like, I would have said the exact same. Mm-hmm. If this would have been the movie, I'd be like, yep, you can totally delete these minutes. Nobody will notice. It's fine. That's it. I, there's nothing to say about it. It's just like, it's probably the shortest one. The OJ one is short. This one's also short. They're probably about 10 seconds each, but it's just like... The only thing is that this one, we get to see the contractor's pyramid again, which I was yes. like, oh, cool. Nice. True. Yeah, they're definitely in front of Toretto's garage. Now, this next one is the craziest one. The next one is called Trading Driving Stories. And this one, this one we yeah. have yep. a shirtless Vin. Everybody's shirtless. Shirtless Everybody. Dom, shirtless yeah. Brian, shirtless Jesse, shirtless Leon, yes. all just lying on a truck, baking in the sun, and talking about when they learned to drive. It's so good. I was describing this to my friend Desiree, and she said, this sounds like them throwing the football around in the room. I was like, that's exactly, exactly the what right it is. thing. Wow. There's no reason for yep. this. Nope. It's amazing, but it's all just like, what the? F- what, what are we looking at? I don't know when this happens. Like, we have like a rough sense in the movie, like where this could be. I think when they were like working on the car. Right? Like, working on the Supra, it has to be, like, a break scene. But, like, where do, like, Letty and Mia go? Like, it's just, like, why they is... They could be inside. Like a... it, this is, like, a, this is a after, right after he owns you now. Like, when Mia whispers that, that's what I'm yeah. imagining. But it just feels crazy. Apparently, this was entirely improvised. Like, they were just, like, shooting the shit. It, the shirt's off. It was a hot day. Rob Cohen said they were working on a car. There's the smell of grease. They're drinking the beer, remembering when the cars came into their lives. He said there's no room for it in the film, though the, some, of the, some of the sentiments and the insights... Um, which we'll talk about in a second. He said it was sorry to cut it, but it stopped the film cold. In a movie called The Fast and the Furious, anything that stops the movie cold must hit the bin. Yep. I love the scene, but if you would have put that anywhere in like a montage or something, it would have been like jarring. Like how sentimental and like soft the movie got. The pace would have been completely thrown off. He's right. Right. So we hear from Dom that he was five years old when he learned how to drive. He was sitting on his father's lap. He's got me propped up, both my hands on the steering wheel, kept going faster and faster. I remember him laughing. The faster we went, the happier he was. And it's like, oh, that's that seems foreboding, which, you know, it is. Like, you know, yeah. he's going to die in a car accident yep. before too long. Leon goes next, and he's like, my mom taught me how to drive. And they're like, oh, dude, your mom taught you how to drive. Like, that's kind of weird. And he's like, yeah, before she left. So that's, like, the first time we get, like, Leon, like, saying that his mom wasn't around. I love about this, and then the next scene, I think the next, maybe not the next scene, a couple scenes from now, we're going to know about Vince's mom, too. And it mm-hmm. feels like they really had an explicit, like, let's bring in family. And I think by pairing it down to being, like, the family that we see on screen, essentially, it makes more sense. Plus the stories that Dom tells about his dad or whatever, right? right. Yep. It's crazy to me that we learn so much about these, like, ancillary characters' moms. It's like, oh. But then, yeah, yes. Leon's like, you know, I, I hate her for leaving, but I can't hate her for teaching me how to drive a car. Like, that was pretty cool. Yeah, like, she still, like, she still got that coolness to her. Yeah, that was, I think that was cool. And then Brian... Even in this, he's, like, such a narc. He's like, I didn't drive until I have my learner's permit. It's like, yeah, okay, cool but guy, do, But do you think Brian's story, I think that Brian's story is Paul Walker's actual story. 
that seemed like he was like, okay, now it's my turn to tell my story. And then Paul Walker told a story that was like real. Well, so this is interesting. It could be Paul Walker's story. It doesn't feel in character. It could be Brian O'Connor's story, or it could be Brian Earl Spillner's story. Like it's he, uh, he could be telling a story about another guy, right? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But no, it, it really felt like Vin did his in character. Leon does his in character. And then... Paul Walker is like, wait, guys, I actually got a story. And then, like, tell. it just felt too, like, it almost happened, right? So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because he's like, I got my learner's permit. I get on the highway, first time driving with my mom. Some guy rear-ends me, five-car pile-up, huge fucking crash. And, like, that was my story. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, like, that actually sounds like it could have happened, right? Like, it's not even, like, it's far-fetched, but far-fetched enough that it's like, this could be real. And then Jesse's dad bought him a 71 Malibu Classic. We hear again about Jesse's dad. I mean, I think this would have yeah. been good. Like, we, you know, we talked about in a recent minute how we didn't know about Jesse's dad until, like, he's in prison, right? We're like, where, where the fuck yeah. did he, where'd he come from? Like, we don't have that father-son bond there. But he says, first day I got my license, it was the greatest day. Says he also this is also the first day he had sex. I shit you not. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like it, it's less the delivery about him was weird. I know. learning the drive, but it's more like, hey, it was a good day. Like you know, I got laid and I got a car. You know what I mean? I'll so, never forget this day. Yeah, like I turned sixteen. My dad bought me a car. I had sex. Like that has yeah. to be top tier. Like you had to be like on top of the world that day. I noticed again. I mean, it makes sense because like when Brian's there, Vince is not. But it feels like Vince almost should be here. You know what I mean? Like it feels like these are just yeah. the boys hanging out. But Vince again missing. Maybe he's with his mom, which we'll find out later. Yeah. Or maybe he's just like I don't want to be around when the Buster's there. But it feels like Vince kind of should be there. But also, you know, it's, it's cool the four of them. It is. It is. But go the ahead. One thing. If this scene was in the movie, it would never be in the movie because of all the things we talked about before. If this scene was in the movie, there would be this quote that Dom says that would be like up there with the all-timer like yep. iconic quotes from the movie. 100%. He says, there's something about learning to drive. You're a driver or you're not a driver. So up until you start driving is one lifetime. Then after you start driving, it's another lifetime. And it's like, oh, shit. Like that feels like, you know, one of those like on a T-shirt somewhere, right? Like, I agree. Two lifetimes. And to memorialize it. I have an idea that I want to pitch to you. In our rapid-fire questions quiz, are you a driver or are you the man in the chair? I think that the question should now forever be changed to are you a driver or are you not a driver? I don't think I don't think you should replace that. I think it could be a different question. I don't mind asking a different question. Why would How would it be different than the other one? This is like the awakening. This is essentially like what Nico's going to talk about in this episode about like the red pill, the blue pill, like are you, if you want to wake up. Like I think that you can be in this world and know that you need to be support. I feel like this is Dom saying like, you know, you're not really part of us until you learn how to drive. And I think that you can drive. Like Mia is a support, but me is also a driver. Yeah, I wasn't saying that the question would ever fundamentally change. I just say the way that we ask it, and then we're like, oh, or are you the man in the chair? But we just, like, memorialize this as the question. It's more negative, I think. Because if we're just saying, like, are you a driver or are you not a driver? It's like people are be like, well, I'm, I'm a driver. Like, I want to be in on it. You know what I mean? But I feel like... You other them with the not a driver? Kind of. I want to find something to do with this quote because I love it and I, it needs to go somewhere and that's where I was trying to put it. Spoiler, but I dropped the quote in the second half that now Nico and Kevo are in the world of having seen this first movie, right? So like yeah. they're all... The, the, the proverbial cherry has been popped. Yes. Anything else about the scene? This is like the, I think, one of the longer scenes, one of the more, no, one of the, that, probably the, the craziest end of that scene. part. That Dom, the, the before and after, him drawing it on his arm with his hand is perfect, so. Yeah. Yeah. The next scene feels unnecessary again. This is Hector and Brian at the racer's edge. Yeah. 
Hector's saying to Brian, like, oh, I heard that, like, shit was crazy last night. Like, I shouldn't have raced you because like, I would have lost. But, like, Brian lost, right? Like, it feels like a weird, like, I don't know where he's going with this. Brian lost, but he almost beat Dom. So that's the... So it is, it is. So even though the whole crowd is, like, ragging on Brian for being a buster, Hector's like, oh, but I, re- I recognize that, like, you actually, you ran a good race. Yeah, if you're, like, if you're coming close to Dom Toretto levels, like, he's like, you would have definitely beaten me. You know what I mean? Like, you almost okay. had Dom. You know, although he never had him, he never had his car. If you're doing close enough to compete with Dom... Like, you're doing good, is what he's saying. I love the way that Hector's like, I would have been out some lunch money. Like, it's a very specific, like, you know... It's a very Wells Wells line, isn't mm-hmm. it? He lost his whole lunch money on that one. <laughs> like, There's something interesting that happens in this one, that, there's, that happens again in a couple other scenes, that they're continuing to add to this sort of, like, rivalry-ish between the family and Tran. That they're like, I heard Tran went psycho on that shit. Like, they, the, the story about Tran shooting up the car is, like, becoming legend, kind of. And I feel like yes. in the movie itself, for as crazy as that thing was, they don't talk about it, like, ever. And I feel like in a couple of these scenes, they actually finally bring it up. It's like, yeah, you should bring it up, because that was insane what happened. And, and this would be the talk of the town. Yeah. Like, in the street race, you're like, okay, some kid shows up in a, in a new eclipse, almost beats Dom... Dom wins the car from him because he raced for slips and then the car disappeared. Everybody would be like, yo, where's that eclipse that Dom just won? And then you're like, bro, do you didn't hear Johnny Tran just blasted it? The thing right. fucking exploded everywhere? Like, everyone will be talking about this forever. This would be a story that I would tell all the time. Oh, you mean that scene where it's like, ba-bow, which, which we will talk about. These sound effects that Dom does. Growl! We'll get there. We'll get there. We're almost there. It does feel like at certain points, like, the movie is like, oh yeah, like, we're living in a movie and, like, crazy shit happens and we don't have to talk about it. Like, some of these, it's like, oh no, we need to take a step back and talk about how the fact that, like, Johnny Tran and Lance rolled up with, like, Uzis and shot our car until it blew up. Like, what yeah. the fuck? The other thing that I want to say about this scene, though, is that we've talked about Hector a lot, and Hector, he has to have his ear in the streets, right? Like, for mm-hmm. him to know that this happened, and he obviously didn't hear it from Brian, he heard it from someone. Well, Brian says, how'd you hear about it? And Hector says, words, words. that float in the air. Float. Yeah, exactly. But he's, he's saying, like, I hear shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm around. I'm on the block. It's basically like Varys on Game of Thrones. Just like, he's got his little birds. He's got his network of, like, spies yep. all around. I'm in the streets. Like, I heard yeah. about it. Yeah, he's not a bald eunuch. He's just, you know, he's a bald, yeah. tough guy. <laughs> uh, Rob Cohen said they cut this one because it stopped the flow of the movie and it referred to a scene that we've already seen, which I get. But again, I think that they could do... Maybe don't do it here, but I feel like adding the fact that, like, people know that this feud is boiling yeah. between Tran and Dom makes the ending feel... It makes the race wars fight more potent. Which we will get to. Yes. The next scene is probably the longest deleted scene. This is Brian and Mia at the beach, and this is immediately following their date. This is after Mia drives them away from Cha Cha Cha. There's a lot of lead up to them. Like, there's. Because these are all like, they look like they could be in the movie, but they're maybe not the final version of what they would have been if they were in the movie. But there's like a 45 second, like a minute long exterior of their car pulling up to a beach before they get out. I'm like, why is this so long? Like, it feels like, yeah. like it's just the complete uncompressed whatever. Yeah. But then they get out there and Mia's like, it's my beach, that's my ocean. And then Brian's like, is that your moon? She says, yeah, it is, I'm possessive. Like, it's just like this cute banter, but like, I don't know. It's cute. And I was thinking, how interrelated is that to they were just at dinner and she said, my brother's like gravity. Everything just gets pulled to him. Mm. And then she says, is that your moon too? And she's like, yes, it is. Or like, this is my moon too. Dom is the gravity, but Mia is the universe. Well, we talked about, didn't we name one of the minutes? Mia also has the 
properties of gravity as well. Gravitational yeah. <laughs> properties as well. Like, yeah, we she did. Because, I mean, the whole, like, the oceans have tides and stuff and all that because of the moon. Like, she's basically saying, I'm Mother Nature, I am the universe. You're right. Like, it's like, I, you know, Dom is part of this, but I am the whole thing. So. And in reality, and we've said it before, Mia is the cornerstone to everything, right? Like, yep. mm-hmm. she's what brings Brian together and she takes care of the family. She is the backbone of the whole thing. So she is the universe. They lie down on her on her hood, which I'm like, I'm like, I get that, like, people lie on cars, but it feels like this is a probably yep. a fairly expensive tuner. Like, why are you doing this? But also, you know. Yeah, you wouldn't do, I I don't think you would lay on your hood. And then, like, you have sneakers, and, like, they're all wearing, like, goofy-ass 90s belts. So you're going to, like, metal stuff everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? No. And they start making out on the hood, and she says, it's not here. And I'm like, oh, cool, we're going to go back to Racer's Edge. And then they go in the car, she's like, here. And then she sits, she sits on him, and they start, they continue making out, and she, like, he grabs her ass. I'm like, Oh, this is so. This is yes. so here. Okay, Rob Cohen's got some stuff. He's like, this is what really splits it between being a PG-13 and an R-rated film. He says like it kind of lacks the edge and the texture of the film. It's too precious. So it doesn't have any bite. He learned a thing from the skulls, and he says, I don't, I don't like. He he feels like weird saying this, but he said that he heard from a producer in the skulls there was a, a love scene between Leslie Bibb and Joshua Jackson in the shower. Right? Yes, I remember this. Yep. He apparently filmed like a much hotter scene than that, but someone told him if you won't show me her breasts don't waste my time so he didn't oh. love it and then the pg-13 is best to avoid the gray area so it's basically like if you're in a movie like again like it's all like the sexist objective whatever yep. making women into objects or whatever but basically if you're going to objectify the actors in this way and have like a, like a hot sexy scene but don't show me boobs what are you doing here like we i don't agree need, with like, that he liked kind of i think the idea of this but while they were filming it he said that literally the night they were filming it he knew it wasn't gonna make the movie he didn't have the heart to tell them that it wasn't gonna make the cut and he's like they were <laughs> he says they were enjoying kissing each other who wanted to break that up? Ooh. He said also the crew was on overtime while shooting this, and I wanted to make sure that they could pay for their kids to go to college. It's like, what the fuck? Like, just feels like they wasted like a whole night like shooting oh, the scene yeah. to like film Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster making out in the car, him grabbing her ass and be like, yeah, we're not going to use it though. Like, we just, yep. it's like a weird like chain of events, but apparently it was never going to make the movie, which I get. It's way too long. It feels kind of disjointed. It at least helps build up like why they go because we see them go from cha-cha-cha to like naked in bed basically right and it's like well here's here's what happened in between which is which makes sense it fills in the gap but like you could also just blank fill in the gap in your head like you're like okay yeah obviously they were like driving home they had some cute banter and then like they wind up at the racer's edge like that's what happened the other thing i want to say about this though is for all the times that we see cars in the Fast and the Furious and all the relationships that are in the Fast and the Furious. We don't often see, see hooking up in a car until we get to You Are My Lifespan. So I wonder if Mia taught Ellie Toretto how to hook <laughs> up in a car from this scene. Well, I mean, the most iconic one, and it's way after where we are in Lifespan, but like Han and Giselle, right? Like they they hold it down in the car. That, but, but that's like is... a perfect scene, though. Yeah. That's like a complete... It's not like them making out in the car. It's just... Giselle on Han's lap as he's driving is like so much cooler than like Mia pulling the seat down to recline. Like that's so lame. When Lifespan started, I don't think that Han and 
Giselle were riding on top of their laps in the car either. I wonder if this is an inspiration for Johnny Tran and Ellie hooking up in a car. I will never say no to a lifespan theory. Plus that you can never confirm or deny them, so they can just go wherever I want. Yeah. So then we have two, the final two on the disc are extended scenes, alternate cuts of scenes from the movie. So the first one is the original edit of the Ferrari scene, and my first note is, oh god, this is so much worse. It's so much worse. He says, more than you can afford, asshole. And I'm like, oh man, it loses so much by not being the 80-yard pal. Because I watched it again, because I'd seen this, and I went back, and I I don't even think it's 80-yard. I think he says, I think they just had an alternate cut, because I looked back, and he says pal, like it's not mouthed differently. Oh, really? They just did alternate takes. Oh, I just thought Because he says, more than you can afford, asshole, Ferrari, 255,000, all cash, one IPO, here we go. It's like, what a, like, I get it, but like. so lame. It makes him even worse. Also, we get uh, the passenger, Ferrari passenger has a line. She says, someplace on the beach. Just cool. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> Rob Cohen was talking about, he's like, this is Neil, because this is the producer, Neil Morris. He says, this is just Neil milking his part. He says, one of the great pleasures you can have as a director is cutting down a producer's part in the film. He says, it's actually an excessive pleasure. Because it's like the one part of the movie where like you have control over the producer. Oh, yeah. controls everything else. You're just like, yeah, we're just not going to use this. We're going to use like your shorter take or whatever. But it's, it's the right call. It's the bet. The, what's in the movie is way better. better. Yeah, way, way better. I agree. And it's also funny that that's like a small like jab at him. And then there's the other extended scene. There's the original edit of the Race Wars fight scene. Which is way worse as well. Jeez. Right. And this is what we're going to get to, I think, in the next minute or maybe the next two minutes or whatever. But this is after Dom and Johnny scrap. And then Johnny, this is kind of cool, where he's on the ground bleeding yes. from the mouth. He just says, it's all on you. This is all on you. It's I like, think that Oof. that scene is still in the movie. They like just cut it so that you don't see his mouth moving or his mouth moves and you don't hear what he says. I don't know. We're going to find out very, 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 very soon. Yeah, I'm excited to get to that part in a minute for that reason. But then we after he like and then it cuts to Brian. So they're like, oh, which is is useless for the movie. So I'm right. glad that they took this out. Like Johnny Tran now knows Brian's the cop, right? Like. If Vince freaked, or like Dom freaked out like that and punched him and is so adamant about it, he's like, okay, cool. It was definitely Brian then. It's this guy's fault. It doesn't mean anything because like that doesn't matter if Johnny Tran knows that Brian's a cop or not. Dom needs to find out. Exactly. And it just takes away from like the last scene that we're talking about that like when Dom sees Brian as a cop, that's like which a we, really... Yeah, which we talk about in the back half with Nico and Kevo. Exactly. It's a much different thing. Vin says, if anyone's a narc around here, you know who it is, right? Rob Cohen was saying that instead of leaving at peak emotion like we do in the movie, we went to this where the crowd dispersed and so was the energy. It's basically just like, you know, we instead of leaving on a high, we like let it come down and just like, well, you know, it's, it's less effective overall, so. Yeah, and if Vince, like, reminds Dom beforehand, it also subtracts from the end scene, too. I liked it. I'm glad that we got to see it, but at the same time, like, good, glad it was gone. So these next three, the final three are the ones that are on YouTube. There is, the first one is called Moving Out, and this is where Tanner drops Brian off at 1327. So this, I don't know, I don't know where this would go. Either the this final is, scene in the movie yep. or, like, a post credit scene, maybe? Yes, it's one of those two. It's either like an alternate ending or a post credit scene. Because the way the movie ends is that Brian gives Dom the keys to the car. He walks away, go to credits. After the credits, we have Dom driving through Mexico, right? Like, that's yes. what this is. 
I guess they didn't know it was going to be a franchise, right? And it kind of feels like this is like the ending to like a Hollywood movie. But again, we talked about this in the, in the back half of the episode too. It's not Brian and Mia's movie. It's Brian and Tom's movie. And I feel like putting exactly. this here, it underserves the movie. It also totally changes the turbocharged prelude and Too Fast and Fast and Furious number four. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't if things don't work out, but it feels like they're on the bridge to reconciliation as opposed to like, he just lied to me. He betrayed me and my family. He wanted to arrest my brother. He did a good thing, but also fuck him forever. Mm-hmm. It feels weird that like she's moving and like we'll give him the time of day. I agree, and also it feels weird that the cops would let you go back to like the perp sisters house and they even they even talk about that too brian's like i quit they let me go quietly and then tanner drops him off it's like we're what 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 world in what world this is what i'm saying yeah now i would now thinking about it i was like is brian lying to mia or is tanner being like so long forever bud like on the way out i'll give you a ride because i know that we took your car back too it's like the end of john wick two i think where it's just like you know i got it i gotta call this one in but like i'm gonna give you a one hour head start right it's just like if we think about a turbocharged prelude right like it kind of feels like brian maybe immediately goes from giving dom the keys to like i gotta get the fuck out of town yes yes you're right you're right because he like goes to his house and like like scrambles kind of right and all these things yes it's just it's it's weird it's weird and she's like icy to him which makes sense like you know she calls him officer but she also like is it isn't non-receptive to it right like she's not like no fuck off forever she's yeah, like she's like so what do you want and he says i want another chance with you she says it's not going to be that easy then bryant says i got time and i was like Oof. i got time yes Oof. of all the things at the house why is she packing the trophies like they're i guess they're the dad's trophy so like she wants to keep them but like i guess she's just doing something outside it just feels like there's so many other things she could be doing to like kill time in the scene like why is she packing trophies i don't know. i think that she's like remin- she's trying to do like the dom reminiscing like looking over the garage mm. missing mm-hmm. her dad type thing it, it doesn't play well it's we- it's a weird scene like there, there i have so many more questions than answers but it does feel like this was like an alternate ending or like a different ending and they're like yeah that doesn't work i have nothing else in the scene you have anything else in this scene no the he got time he's like i got time i was like oh god yes so the next one is slow down a bit which is again on youtube this is mid party this is after i don't know when maybe this is when brian and mia go off the talk in the dining room i guess after i think no or is because it before? they go upstairs because right. they because i think it would have to be like pretty much like this would be an alternate cut brian gets the beer he gets vince's beer and then he goes to the bathroom right like you guys got a bathroom uh, maybe so it might be then then it might be then because brian comes back down and then they like look at each other weird yeah it had to have been like right at that point that makes sense yep and this is when leon asks about the eclipse and then dom says there is no more eclipse i ran into johnny tran he it shot that shit up so like growl <laughs> Remember how much Nas was in that thing? Ba-bow! <laughs> and then Jesse's talking about it like it's like, you know, a dead, like a fallen soldier. It's like, you don't do that shit. You don't do that shit, man. And he's yeah. like, you know what? That, it's 30 grand in there, Dom. You don't do that shit. And then Dom says he's going to make Johnny Tran, quote, make good on it. I'm like, oof, that's in tall order for like your arch, arch rival in this movie. Yeah, it was weird. I think that they cut it because it was like, too much of sound effects from Vin Diesel. That that alone, I would be like, yeah, don't do that in the movie. Just like, we don't need that. <laughs> it's very funny, but it's also like, what are you doing? Also, the name of this like deleted scene comes from Dom basically saying to Jesse, slow down a bit. Let's not get worked up about Johnny Tran. He's going to make good on it. It's just like, well, is he? Yeah, is he? And like, can you really just go collect like 30 grand from Johnny Tran? Like, you don't just pick up Owen Shaw like he's groceries. You don't pick up Johnny Tran like he's groceries. What if when Johnny Tran wins the Jetta, 
Dom's like, why didn't he just look at Johnny Tran and be like, okay, now we're even for the eclipse, and just calls it a wash. Johnny Tran never gets mad at Dom, and they never have a fight, and then they never <laughs> run away. And the whole movie just collapses. Why does Johnny shoot the eclipse? Because he's just being a dickhead, and he's mad at Dom. Because he slept with his sister and whatever. He's, a whatever, business deal right? gone bad, yeah. So it's just like generic bad blood. Yes. So maybe, like, okay, so then he says, you know, the Jedi drives off, we're even. It still doesn't make things right, but at least, like, doesn't escalate things. Like, there's still bad blood, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess There's Jesse still bad blood. He's like, yeah, but remember that eclipse, bro? Like, uh, yeah. what the fuck? But also, the fuck but then Johnny eclipse? could say... Johnny could say, you know, they both said it's not their car. It's nobody's car. Like, I, I didn't, you didn't lose a car because you said it's nobody's car. So I just shot the car. So, yeah. Like, I think that's kind of how we could be like, no, you still owe, like, we raced for pinks. That's my Jetta. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely not how this would play out. Like, God, never I know be like... so many goddamn quotes in this movie. It's un, it's It sickens me. <laughs> like, I, I have the exact line reading in my head of Johnny Tran. Oh, it's nobody's car. Like, yeah. why is that in my brain? Why is that in my brain? It's a, it's a beautiful machine. <laughs> Beautiful machine. The final scene is How Is Your Mother on this, YouTube? And this is, again, a crazy, crazy scene. This would have wrecked the whole movie, I think, if this would have stayed. It's a very weird scene. It's a scene that's in the movie. It's an extended cut of the Let's Eat Some Grub Man scene. Yes, where Jesse does the You're Praying to the Car God, you took yes. the first piece of chicken. It doesn't have those parts. It has like a completely different set of parts. This is when Old Coyotes R Us shows up. And then Dom says, coming from the hospital, Vince? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing only because it's like, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. Coming from the hospital, Vince? How is your mother doing? And it's like, what? Where's and I that? thought that what? he was, and the first time I watched this, I thought he's like being a dick, like coming from the hospital, like, how's your mom? And you're like, like say hi to your mom for me, like a Mark Wahlberg thing? Yeah, yeah. And it's not. It, this is a very somber moment. It makes you think, because we obviously know that Vince hates Brian, but is Vince now not with the family through much of this movie because of yes. his mom? Like, it's not yes. Brian as much as the mom? Not that he doesn't want to be around the buster. It's that he's taking care of his mom, who's, like, in hospice. She seems like she's not doing well. Like, they're, like, end of the line talking. They're like, oh, well, like, I started giving her this painkiller because, like... Right. They put together a plate for her? Yeah. Like, it's, like, the, like the little gestures, like, it, things are bad, but, like, here's some food, maybe. But it does, like, a weird explanation of, like, why is Vince so moody, so irritable, like, when he shows up and sees Brian and, like, flies off the handle? Instead of it being, like, he hates Brian, it's like, oh, Vince is excused for all of his emotional weirdness in right. this movie. It's a very strange scene. I think it would have thrown, like, a huge wrench in it for me. Because, like, all of a sudden now, Vince isn't, like, a villain. He's someone that you feel compassion for, right? Yeah, so. yeah. What I also loved was that Dom calls Brian Speed Racer. He's like, so what's in your mind, Speed Racer? What are you thinking about? You're deep in thought over there. And Brian just gets, like, all mushy, just like, you know, this is so nice. Picnic in the barbecue, it's like a family. And, like, that's a cool reference. But then, like, 15 minutes later, they're at Cha-Cha-Cha, and he's calling them a gang. So it's like, well, why, why are you saying family here? And then a gang in 15... Like, it just feels like a weird kind of disconnect. Like, there's no consistency within the Fucking Brian character. <laughs> yes. And also, you wouldn't say, like, it feels so nice, like, such a family here after you hear Vince's, like, who's, like, your enemy's mom is, like, really sick. Right. You know what right. I mean? You'd be like, bro, like, I'm sorry to hear about that. Like, I didn't know. You know, like, yeah. that should be your first reaction. Like, and then their beef is squashed. There's no... Yeah. And then maybe that's why he's staring daggers at Brian instead of being with Mia. It's because he's, like, not saying, I'm sorry about your mom. It's just like, hey, yeah. this, this is pretty nice, right? Like, this is like a family. It's like, well, guy, come on, read the room. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody just took, like, a really quiet spot, and then, like, Letty has to be like, oh, get some grub. Well, no, because what I love about Letty is that she busts balls. She's like, what are you, an orphan? And then he just says, no, just whenever I show up, my dad calls the cops. And that's when Dom, like, laughs and, like, slaps the table, like, an all-movie, like, (laughs) Which is terrible. The the worst acting. (laughs) Like, also, that's why they cut this, because, like, Dom's fake laughter about the cops thing is, like, really bad. It's also very obvious knowing what happens, but he's like, you know, that's funny. No cops at the Toretto house. That's rule number one. And then somebody else says, no pigs, oink, oink. oink, oink. And just like, yeah. okay. But like, we know what's coming. By this point, we know that Brian's a cop, right? Like, so, like, we don't need the extra tension of like, oh my God, did the you know that Dom cheek. doesn't hate cops? It's like, yeah, of course he doesn't like cops. <laughs> yes. You can hate cops and know that Brian's a cop without having the cop scene with OJ and this yeah. scene. Like, yeah. I'm glad yeah. we removed those two. In spite of the fact that we have issues and like, we know why a lot of these were cut. Like, these are well worth your wow. 10 minutes. Like, they're so... For sure, dude. They're crazy. It's crazy. And, like, these are all... I mean, they're all in the script. They were all shot. Like, this is all... As far as we're concerned, this is canon. So, like, you know, watching these again, we have to keep in mind, as dumb as it sounds, we haven't seen the movie since we saw the scenes, right? Like, we watched the movie and then we watched the deleted scenes. Yeah. So it's going to be a different way of seeing Vince, of seeing... Leon oh, yeah. seeing Johnny Tran or whatever, right? So, like, rewatch the movie with Vince's mom being sick the whole time. It's gonna yeah. totally change everything. No wonder he's so aggro. Yeah, no, it really excuses a lot of his yeah. behavior. You're just mm-hmm. gonna be like, yeah, dude. Like, while well, he's like, all of his friends are hanging out, they're pretty much replacing him with a guy that he doesn't like, and your mom's dying. You can't even yeah. like go try to mend your friendships because like you have to take care of your sick mom. And they're kind of sympathetic, but not really. Like, they're not like, yeah. Vince, bro, we got your spot. Like, you're not going anywhere, bud. Like, they don't, like, come with him or try to help him. It's just like, yo, go do your shit and then come back. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, you're so yeah. torn. Your whole world's crumbling. It's like if uh, while you were dealing with your dad, I'm like, hey, here's my friend. He's a Patriots fan. We're going to, you know, just try him out on the show. He's just, you know, he's not he's not yeah. going to replace you. But he's just he's just going to be on the show with us. And, like, it's, an, oh, oh, but you're, you, you do your thing, you know. Take care of him. Show only said hi. Hope he yeah. does better. But, like, yeah, you'd be like, bro, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, I don't even like this guy. Yeah, like, yeah. what? Any other thoughts about the deleted scenes? Because uh, these, again, wonderful. Awesome, and I can't wait to do them for too fast. Blew my mind with this. I hope that all of them are good, and I know that we watch the... Ex- I watch all the extended cuts. Yes, now I do too, yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to actually get, but I think the deleted scenes are different than the extended cuts, right? Well, the extended cuts are, like, approved. Like, it's, like, the version that the director wanted. Like, these were things that, like, explicitly were cut for a reason. The extended cut is basically, I think, like, if the director or the producer or whoever, like, had their final say... And Universal or whatever was like, oh, no, it needs to be under two hours or whatever. Like, sometimes, okay. like, the studio gives that yeah. thing. This is what it would have been. Like, the extended cut is like this, whatever. Or sometimes they do, like, the unrated cut. It's like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith unrated. Like, see, like, the raunchy sex scene. It's like, no, there's just, like, an extra 30 seconds of something. They just didn't rave it because they're not going to reshow the MPAA, right? So it's like, it's all, <laughs> exactly. it's marketing yeah. bullshit. This is actually stuff that, like, Deleted never was going to be in the scenes. movie. Yes. That basically, as soon as they shot her, while they got in the editing booth, they're like, oh, this doesn't work. Like, it's a different thing, less canon than, like, extended scenes, but it's also like, this is all shot and edited and whatever, and worth talking about, for sure. There was script for it. They shot it with the actors. Like, it existed somewhere, so, yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to say before we take a break is that by the time this episode comes out... We will have recorded, but the episode won't have come out. We're doing another episode of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show with Nate Milton. That's true. We're talking about Fast and Furious 6. And so according to Nate, that episode will be out this Saturday, the 25th. So we'll talk about it again on the Widows episode on Friday. Joe and I, as we're recording this, 
would have talked to Nate about it last night. And so this Saturday, check out the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show to jump kind of ahead in the lap and hear us talk about Fast and Furious 6. But yeah. I meant to mention that earlier. Forgot. We had a lot going on. but So much going on today, but yeah. I'm looking forward to that because, you know, Nate's awesome, and I, I'm Nate's looking forward awesome, to seeing dude. that movie again. So I just want to talk to him. I, he's just a good guy. Like, I'm yeah. happy to just bullshit with him. Well, Joe, let's take a break. Let us hear Wes's interlude music and then mm. bring in Nico and Kevo to talk about the fast and the furious. It's a good one. This episode is brought to you by Focus Factor. A clinical study showed that adults who took the original Focus Factor as directed for six weeks improved their memory, concentration, and focus. A 44% increase in memory recall. Shout out to Focus Factor. Shout out to Focus Factor indeed. Well, Joe, we are kicking off lap seven in earnest. You, you, the listener, heard our two guests on our lap six relap recap, our tune-up. As we gave them, we they got an estimate of what yeah. they knew, what they expected, what they feared, what they hoped for. With us tonight, the co-hosts of the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network, we have Kevo Reese and Nico Vasillo. Hello, guys. Hey, I'm I'm here. Welcome. Woohoo, vroom, vroom. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. You are now, you are new. Okay, so as we talked about in the intro, wink, wink, there's a deleted scene where Dom talks about life being split into two parts, right? Before you drive... And after you drive, now you guys are in the, you are now in a new part of your life. You have now entered the world in which you have seen a Fast and the Furious movie. And so congratulations on that. Well, yeah, I do actually kind of feel a little bit like I took the blue pill. Is that the right one? Is that the right one? Is that the right pill? The blue pill is the one that brings you back to reality. Yeah, I feel a little bit like I took the blue pill. So you're not, you're not fully awake yet. I'm I'm yeah, no, no, no. bald Keanu waking up no, 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 in the embryonic red. sack. That's red. That's that's that's, that's the red, red. pill. That's oh red pill. no, that's what I am. I'm <clears throat> I'm in goo. You're okay. in goo. I'm Just I'm in, in a, a Gwyneth Paltrow publication. <laughs> All kinds of goop. goop. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. If you guys ever do the Matrix... Well, actually, I already talked about the Matrix. I don't need to be on that. I was like, if you ever do the Matrix.html, I'd love to be on. But I've already covered all of that on Keanu Club. Check out Keanu Club on this very fine podcast. Quite seriously, I can't stop coming back to Keanu right now. So I would love for you and I to do the Matrix together. He's pitched it. Well, there we go. I feel like it's ripe in your wheelhouse. But let us not go into Keanu, because there's a rumor. Don't want to get too much. He's not in this franchise yet, but there are rumors that he will one day join the franchise. So at that point... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I need to jump in. I actually believe he's already in this franchise. I need you to understand. Oh, Oh, God. I... So there's a video game series from a trillion years ago called Shadow Hearts, and it's sort of prequeled by this marvelous video game called Kudelka. You'd have to play both and pay attention to all the dialogue to know they're connected. It's kind of the way Sailor V, the manga, becomes the manga in Sailor Moon, and it kind of like... It's like a secret pilot it's sort of like the way dirty dancing havana nights makes dirty dancing kind of a thing okay i feel like the music video to paula abdul's rush rush is the prequel to this film 
And it is where Paula Abdul becomes the Fast Furious Force. It's basically her reenacting a lot of the plot of Rebel Without a Cause with Keanu Reeves. But there's also a little bit of Phantom Uh, of the Opera in there. Just the right faggy amount of West Side Story. So, Joe, I want you to know that Nico explained this entire thing to me. Not entire thing. Most of it on Facebook today. And I still don't understand it fully. Like this I, is I the like second it, time I've heard it. I'm not. I'm not invested. And I've even seen. I've seen Rush Rush. And that's a phenomenal entire... music video. I just need to specify. We did an entire episode of Keanu Club about Rush Rush with okay. uh, Lindsay Gibb. Oh, that's great. About Nicolas Cage. We've been there. I just. I still don't. It's like a Pepe Sylvia arrangement of facts and stuff that I don't. No, fully, it's like the ma- No, it's so she's. This trauma that she experiences, that moment where she thinks he might have gone off the ledge. I mean, he doesn't, but she thinks he might have. And in that moment, she transcends (laughs) this world and becomes the fast, furious force, a spirit that now helps car people. Okay, but how can we work in Celine Dion from the All Coming coming Back back to Me Now now video? video? Yeah. 100%. (laughs) I'm there with you. That's some sort of like ethereal energy counterpart. Maybe that's some kind of like, ooh, the Tesla. But she's <laughs> Canadian, so it'd have to be in kilometers per hour. Oh, okay, yeah. She's the Canadian It'd be equivalent. quarter kilometers sure. at a time. Celine Dion is, of course, the Canadian answer. Wait, no, I was about to say Celine Dion is the Canadian answer to Paula Abdul, but I am positive that, if I'm not mistaken, Paula Abdul's father is Syrian Jewish by way of Canada. I feel Whoa. like I <laughs> really used to think she was forever my girl, okay? <laughs> I was really into Paula Abdul. We did some e- Either or questions. So before we talk about the movie, before we have conversation questions to kick the things off, we are going to ask some either or questions. Our lightning round. There are going to be these kind of questions in every episode. I think you so mean your NOS round. Oh yeah, I've seen it now. Ooh. I know shit. <laughs> we could call the NOS. I mean, we we do have we have NOS incorporated into names of other things. Like we're not completely bad at naming. I can't believe you don't call it the tuna up round. Ooh. To be clear, we were supposed to watch the 1954 Roger Corman film, The Fast yes. and the Furious, right? <laughs> I love that exactly, that would be exactly. the second Roger Corman movie we are dragging Joey down with this, this month. week. This week, even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this week. Nothing like being the anchor around your friends' lives. Nico said, thank you for being on that episode. I'm so glad that the worst part of your week is one of the best parts of my week. And if that's not exactly what that hour of HTML is, I don't know how a better way to describe it is. If that's not exactly Perfect. Nico, I don't know a better way <laughs> to describe Nico. And I try to warn you people. But you also eat it true. up. Also, also true. You love it. Very important questions for the two of you. Are you more, now that you've seen this first movie, do you consider yourself more of a Brian or a Dom? A Dominic Toretto. Let me be very careful in my wording. Yes. A Brian O'Connor or a Dominic Toretto. All right. I'm going <laughs> to... Because we're gay. If these... <laughs> no. You, you yeah. brought the joke up today. I this did. was not I my did. thing. I you didn't. brought it up. I was told I was supposed to call Joey the Dom, and I was like, we clearly have a misunderstanding about what the dom is <laughs> if you think i'm calling someone else a dom got it i just want to make it clear that i was not being inconsiderate or homophobic oh, not or at all no I- no i'm gonna say dom for sure but if i actually had my say i'm saying letty all the way different question different question different question we're gonna get to that but of those two dom you're dom. a dom to- okay 20 000 percent 
Yeah, same. You might have the same answer again. Are you more of a Mia Toretto or a Letty Ortiz? This lap is the Letty Ortiz lap. Keep that in mind. Are you more of a Mia or a Letty? I am straight up Letty. I just want to kick some bitches in the teeth. I think Mia is a little too passive, and I don't think it's a thing about agency, because when she was given the opportunity, she took the wheel of life, and she gripped the clutch of destiny. But I feel like, <laughs> at the same time, Letty's a lot of her not a fighter, but she'll crack your teeth. Yeah, Letty's pretty badass. I'm glad you guys finally got to meet Letty. I mean, I don't even like Michelle Rodriguez characters as a rule. She usually rubs me the wrong way. She's probably my least favorite thing in Lost. She's probably my least favorite thing in Resident Evil. I genuinely, like, connected with this character. Like, Kevo's gonna gasp, but, like, Kira Narisi, kind of, like, I really connected with this woman. I'm in not a surprised. really like dramatic way i really liked her yeah she's awesome that's good that's important because she is uh part of the lifeblood of this franchise so i'm glad that you connected straight the fuck up in she's like kitty pride for a new generation i'm there kate pride thank you so very much oh. i will respect you to respect her new name dude you've never been hotter <laughs> <laughs> keva who are you mia or letty i don't want to answer because the real reason that Nico loves Letty so much is I'm a Letty, and so I don't like that about oh. myself. And even though oh. I said I'm a Dom, it's because I want to be a Dom, but it actually is that I'm a Brian, and I don't want to talk about it. Oh. So you're a begrudging Brian and a begrudging Letty. I'm what I imagine Brian is going to eventually become, and this was us just watching the pilot. I'm fully aware. Like, because we are coming at this... What is, Almost wait, wait, twenty wait, years later. That. Let's not skip over this. What What do you think Brian becomes? I want to hear like your thoughts. Well, I mean, he's got all the groundwork for like a Hemingway hero, like the classic broken man structure rendered impotent by his white masculinity in a world seeking to advance past such two dimensional notions. Yeah, huge parts of that. I'm trying to think of this of two minds, both 15-year-old Kevo, who existed when this movie came out, and the fact that it's almost 20 years later, so I know a ton of stuff about these movies. Toward the end of this movie, Nico was saying, I can't believe there's only 10 minutes left. And I'm like, because the story of this movie is just, he's a cop, he, he sort of turns on cops by the end of this movie. But because we know there's so much more story to come of him, Nico didn't... Un you know, like, yeah, if you had just told me that this was the plot of Pitch Perfect, if all they sang was shut up and drive. <laughs> Bulletproof, nothing to lose. Fire away. <sighs> Fire away. But I know there's so much more de character development to come for all of these people for as much as there even was in this film already. Especially knowing how many of these characters get added later on. Like, I did not see so many actors that I know these actors are going to have scenes with a lot of these characters journeys can't have even begun yet yeah yeah you're very 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 true very right you're very right the only other question for this movie is the one that you answered on the tune-up or the tuna up to use your word nico was about the food all over the place and i don't know if you guys caught it in the throwaway but in this movie when vince comes into the kitchen as brian and mia are doing the dishes and he like slams the microwave and he's like taunting Brian and then Mia asks him about the restaurant so that Brian can take her there yeah she says in that line you know that the Cuban little, restaurant little candles, with, okay the wood tables I, okay first of all as a Cuban who has had picadillo like at least once a week his entire fucking life Jordana Brewster saying picadillo was uh, a tortilla well, in my Italian. soul okay but you know what I have watched enough Master Chef 
to have heard Joe and Lydia Bastianich. It was 2001. Let them do oh their bit. Oh, my God. Let Just them do their bit. Fine. But, yeah, I did catch that. <laughs> I did catch that line. And you know what? I think I quite literally said, no, it reminds me of being Cuban. It's food all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> You really have to tone your brain down sometimes back to 2001 as, like, we start out because you're like, oh, yeah, like, there wasn't Food Network where you would, like, know how to say words and stuff. I was more focused on the line, make your own goddamn popcorn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, yeah that was, like, it's that was shut up when I'm talking to you levels uh, of screamed, and I loved it. So cucky. Yeah. So cucky. <laughs> okay, so now to kick off the conversation because basically the way that these episodes are going to work and I, I I wonder if you guys are going to have a problem with this that is a joke of saying it. you guys can just you have your own podcast you can just we don't even need to be here but the way that these are going to work is you're just going to talk about the movies however you want to talk about them because this is now the seventh time yes. if you want to talk about like certain things characters you liked anything you want because this is now yeah this is now the seventh time we're talking about these movies and so like we, we kind of not we're running out of things to say because I do have new notes but like this is your this is your boat to leave oh. Oh, he's like rolling back his shoulders and like rolling his neck and getting himself ready. What have I would you done? Nothing less. You've woken first, up a monster. So, so just to start, did you guys like like the movie? Well, before no, before we even get there, what? I guess we. I mean, because we have the two kickoff questions. Joe, do you want to do okay. overall thoughts first? Or you do the kickoff questions. I think overall thoughts first. Okay. Like, did you like like the movie? Yeah, what did you guys think of this movie? Did you like it? Are you excited for the lap? Are you, like, regretting this immediately? Like, oh, fuck, I signed up for nine more of these. This is going to be horrible. No. Not remotely. I speci- Okay, so I'm a big fan of horror. I am super-duper fulfilled by the Conjuring-verse. It is just absolutely one of my favorite things, and I don't think any one of those movies deserves better than a B. At okay. best, you could give The Conjuring 2 a B plus if you cut like 20 minutes from the middle, but no conjuring movie deserves better than a B, but that universe deserves an A plus. I find myself eager to get back to the narrative of that world. Even if I'm not as big a fan of what I'm watching, I'm a fan of what it makes me think about. Even if I thought this movie was like a 6.5 out of 10, what I got from it, I give like a nine. Ooh. Okay. I like that. That's cool. So you're you're excited about the Fastiverse itself, like you you want to get deeper in it. Yes, and when I explain to you why, I think you'll really resonate with uh with the frequency I'm putting out. Cool. Okay. Toot, toot. Kick it. Kevin, what about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot, and I'm excited to see what comes from it. We've been watching a lot of Melrose Place lately, which is a okay. fascinating period piece, considering it's almost thirty years old right by now. This sort of reminds me a lot of that in a lot of ways in terms of thinking about this being the year 2000 when they opened on that shot of that shipment of combo tv vcrs i was like oh "Oh, yes oh yes i remember the days I'm, i'm i'm thinking about things like that and He can find anyone on the web. Yeah, that was a thing that seemed intimidating back in the year 2001. This is so cool that you say this because we always say, I think that nostalgia plays a big role in it and like where people list it when they talk about it, right? And for you to not Mm -hmm. have the nostalgia of seeing it before, but have the nostalgia of the time is going to be an important factor for how much you liked this film. It's something that I try to get enjoyment out of when we have to power through these 
ancient pieces of media for different shows. You know, there's always at least historical value in considering this was many times the best they could do, at least on a budget. Yeah, I'm currently rewatching X-Files with two friends, you know, remotely, and we're like all watching based on the same nights or whatever, and we're working through season one. I know you guys both like that show. And, you know, I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And there's a lot of episodes in season one. Where I'm like, oh, this isn't very good. Like, you kind of have to just power <laughs> through. Like, you just have to be like, different time. They're still figuring the show out. Like, it's it's weird to work your way through old media, but knowing that the payoff will eventually come. Well, part of it that hurts that show in particular is that the episodes are like fucking 49 minutes at first. Yeah. It's this sense of drawn out atmosphere. And that's actually the opposite of Fast and the Furious, and that was one of the things that I literally was confused. Like, I kept being like, did this movie, did I, is this the second? No, because one of them's not in the second. But then it can't be the third one because there's no Bow Wow. Is that Ja Rule? Doesn't he have a fire festival to ruin? Okay, wait. Yeah. <laughs> so then, could this be the fourth one? I don't think it's the fourth one because, well, let's face it, this HD looks a little bit like it was done with a camcorder. Okay, this has to be the first one. It's just starting. All of this yeah. to say, it was very fast-paced in terms of plot. Yeah. I like to take yeah. timestamps while we're watching just to keep track of pacing of story, and I was surprised at how quickly everything was happening. Like, in a positive way, it really kept me engaged. Well, they get slower. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so, yeah, so the first four movies... But I imagine the cars get faster. But also, there's a line in a future movie, this time, it's not just about being fast. So, wait for that. Get ready for that, because that is coming, that is a line in, I think... Well, it's seven? also about being furious. Yes, it but is. also in the... Yes, yes. You're right. I'm not going to spoil anymore. You are correct. I didn't mean yeah. to squeak there, but I like it. But, okay. So, the first four movies, the movies made between 2001 and 2009, are all like an hour 45. And for the most part, they all have a really good pace to them. And then Fast Five comes, which is the first one that I saw, and from there on, they're all like 215 or longer. It's just like modern action movie. It's like they're everything, right? And so, yeah. these movies move at a pace. I'm glad you guys noticed it. I mean, it makes sense that you would because you watch enough stuff to know that this flies. And what's really nice about us doing it in chronological order and taking Tokyo Drift and putting it after six, that is a shorter, quicker movie that like breaks up the longer, not necessarily slower, but kind of slower movies. It's just like a different feel. And it feels like this like literal, you know, Nas boost in the middle, where it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is like hyper fast, just a shorter movie, like a breath of fresh air, kind of. It'll also help to draw a stronger comparison between the two different eras, probably. Yes, yes. for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Especially since, like, there's a lot of tech on display in, in Tokyo Drift, and it's like, oh, this is way outdated. Like, if this is supposed to happen uh, after six, it's like, oh, okay, fascinating. Yeah. And in Tokyo, of all places, too. Two laps ago, we had on the Driving School Lab, we had host of the Wistful Thinking podcast, also on this network. We had Cara Gayla Regan on, and she did the entire thing, like, just like what you guys are doing. She had never seen a single movie. She watched all the movies with us for the first time. That lap was the Brian O'Connor lap. We were doing Paul Walker movies in our off weeks. We were talking about, we were focusing on Brian. Thank God that's over. Not that we don't love Brian, but, like, a lot of the Paul Walker movies, not necessarily great. So this lap, but in that lap, while we were doing these episodes with Kara, she came up with a theme song called That's So Brian, do-do-do-do. 
we talked about in each movie what the most Brian moment of the movie was. Even if Paul Walker's not in the movie, we still picked out a character, we still picked out a moment that pointed to what is the thing in this movie that is most emblematic of the Paul Walker, the Brian O'Connor character in that movie. Even a movie that Brian's in, it could be another character doing a Brian thing. So this lap, one of our kickoff questions, Ooh. because it has to be, yes. is that so Letty, doo-doo-doo-doo, what is, in your opinion, it doesn't have to necessarily be a Michelle Rodriguez moment, but I would imagine having seen this and only seen these characters in this context, it would be her. But if you had to pick, what is the most Letty moment? The thing that in your head is like, oh shit, like that is like her essence. That is the character at her core. What's the most Letty moment of this first movie? I have to give my slight revision on the moment, and then it, it, it is the most Letty moment. That okay. moment where the guy is okay. like, if I win, I'll get your ass. And she was, I don't like how I did that. Please, for the love of God, save me from myself. No, no, no. But, but I will say that that character is named... Rasta, Rasta Racer. Racer. So you were only <laughs> as uncomfortable with it as the screenwriters were. So you are yeah, okay it in this Yeah, it was specifically that he was a racial stereotype. Uh-huh. She was immediately like, you can't have my ass. That was Then she beats him, and it's so fucking hot. Yep. I just wish she had said, okay, if I win, I get your ass. Oh, I like that. I just wish lot. she was immediately like, I'm going to peg Ooh. you. Are you still confident in your masculinity knowing you could be asked to pay what you are demanding first? And I feel like that that minor change on Letty, I will explain to you how she has the power of the shorty shift when we get there. So that's a very good moment. Keva, what about you? What is the most in your eyes? What's the most Letty moment? Not knowing where she goes over the course of these nine movies and the short films. What do you think is the most Letty moment in this movie? No, no, no. I don't think I can top that one, so to speak. Okay. Do you have another one? Do you have one that's also another great Letty moment, at least? If you need time to think about it, Joe and I can give ours. The most Letty moment in the first one is Sniff Sniff, I Smell Skanks. Right. That's That's definitely up there. To me, that's like you get all of Letty and one shot of dialogue. Like, that's it. You, You... She's she's badass. Like the girls, like kind of run. Like she just commands the room when she comes in. So her entrance, to use a Brian Rodriguez term, is iconic. That is the art for this episode, where she just pulls up and she's got like the low slung camo pants and oh, like yeah. you can see her thong. I guess that was the style in two thousand one. And was. she's got that red, you know, the crop top or the tank top or whatever. And she just looks like tough and badass and like in her car, like. That's great. I think the Skanks line is great. Nico's scene was great. But the other one that I will say in a very Letty moment is when she tells Dom, you're going upstairs and giving me a back massage. It's like, oh. yeah, that's pretty Letty. Yeah, you're right, because it shows that she's like, she also has reign over Dom and nobody has reign over Dom, right? Mrs. So like, Alpha, yeah. Yeah. Can I just steal Kevin's and have a second one? Go for it. Yeah. I think one of the things that helped make the characters defined is that I felt like they each had a unique driving style. Letty going under the truck is something I don't think the guys would have done because it implies something diminutive, smaller than another creature. And that she used that to her advantage is also very Letty. I like like the idea of thinking that... So for me, when I would see that, I would think that like... It's so technical that only a woman's brain could handle this level of maneuver, and that she just she's the most finesse one. But I didn't get the underneath part. Yeah, that makes sense too, though. I like both of them. Yeah, she's willing to do something no one else would because they wouldn't put themselves in a diminutive position. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I like that. Now we have another question. I'm wondering, Joe, if we save this other question for later in the lab because it kind of spoils then don't a future spoil plot anything. twist. You know what I mean? It was your yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, I, think I know. We'll hold off. On this. So yeah, I think yeah. just that's a Letty is a good idea. So okay, 
So now we are into the episode. We're into the movie. We've talked a little bit about Letty, but what do you guys love? What was your some of your favorite moments, problematic moments, things that you didn't like, things Anything that you're you worried about? about? Anything you want to talk about. The floor is both of yours. Take it away, Fast and the Furious. Well, way fewer problematic instances than I had been fearing, especially for we, 2001. I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous because when you said it on the on the, the getting an estimate, I was like, this one has a very problematic moment. Like just, six minutes in, there's a real hard in, But he's rough. a bad guy, so like, yes. it's fine. And He's even the baddest of the good guys. Like, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest, yes. the film was bordering on the decent side of homophobic with, like, a little bit of even homoeroticism in the staring between Lots Brian and Dom. And, oh, like, wow. the yes. little crony guys calling him pretty. It doesn't seem as taunting as much as it does, like, genuine. It seems a little Ooh. bit more like, if I could, could we make a haze him video together? A little bit. So, like, the faggot came out of nowhere, and it was from a person who were supposed to get the impression that he's a bad guy. Watching this movie, I really got the strong impression that Dom is aware that Vince is toxic for the family, and kind of sees Brian as a way to edge Vince out. And that's part of why Dom doesn't even notice all of the red flags about Brian, because he's just focused on getting either either Vince is going to get put in his place and stop being such a dick or he'll leave. And Brian seems like a nice guy and will replace our really seedy, toxic white guy with a really nice, clean one. Wow. That's an interesting theory. I have a slightly different theory on why no Go one notices. Brian. Yours is magic. Mine is genuine. Well, yes, Kevo's makes sense, but hear me <laughs> out. Before this movie... If, if that's not, like, the ultimate definition of, like, what I imagine is your relationship and your podcast, like, Kevo's like, here's all the facts and evidence, and Nico's like, <laughs> yes, but here's magic. <laughs> So, okay, going into this, I was nervous that not knowing anything about the franchise, like, I wouldn't catch up. Like, not like that there's a learning curve, but fandom loves fandom things. Fandom doesn't love surface things. And I was really afraid that I wouldn't connect with what it is that makes Fast and Furious so fast and so furious. Within 20 minutes, I was relieved that they established which one was fast and which one was the furious. And that made life a little bit easier. And I realized that the movie is about a mystical ability called the Fast Furious Force. And it allows one of them to go very fast. And it allows one of them to become very furious. And Brian (laughs) can go very fast. And Dom (laughs) has to hold back his very furious. And the problem is... Somehow Don has gotten his hand on the clutch of destiny. He's not meant to use it. He's too furious. He'll blow it. But Brian, Brian has the speed. He has the fast force. Brian could use it. But there's other powers. Because you see, they it's, it's a mystical force, you understand. So it instigates others to anger quickly because they become jealous of its glow because of the headlights. It confuses other people so they, like, don't realize that you're a fucking undercover cop despite all of this. I mean, he might as well have been like, guys, can you hold my badge for me? Um, <laughs> yes. so, so I guess that's, is that a way of saying that you were not surprised by that reveal? Not remotely. Well, it didn't help that the plot of the film is described as undercover cop Paul Walker. <laughs> but other than that. I think what's interesting about that dynamic is that like, and to sort of spin before we get back, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to interrupt, is that like with Kevo's perspective on like the whole Vince-Brian relationship and Dom intertwining is that like, we only see Vince as the bad guy. I mean, he is toxic masculinity he is a, he is an aggressive angry dude that has to go 
would probably benefit from some therapy or years of therapy. We only see him as the bad guy and Brian as the good guy because we're seeing the movie through Brian's perspective. But like in this world, they had a thing working. Like their family was successful. They were robbing trucks. They had this restaurant. They had this family. They had this group. And then Brian comes in, the outsider, looking to take Dom down. And so he's really the bad guy, right? Like it's it's a weird thing that the movie does. No, well, I also have a thing for that. Kevo has logic, but... Vince was very clearly always toxic, always causing trouble. I am going to use the gif of um, Dom saying, you embarrass me, as a reaction gif a million times over. Clearly, Vince was a problem in this family. And if it wasn't Brian, it was going to be something else. Mia is the first one to be like, he's causing trouble again. You need to dump his ass then, Mia. But that's a different issue. That's separate. I don't think that Vince, I think he was probably causing trouble for the family, independent of Brian's existence. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I think Vince was just always jealous that he didn't have the fast or furious force. And that's why he was always a little, he was always like a little cuck ass about it. I'm not convinced they knew there was a fast force. I don't know exactly how this mythos works. I just know he was <laughs> jealous of the furious right. force. Well, oh, true. Yes. Yeah. Well, so then there's a few other special abilities, right? Number one, it is important to note that Letty has the shorty shift. She has the ability to make geometric shifts no one else can by sheer virtue of balls. Does Mia have powers? Oh. Mia does. Oh. Mia has the heart of the race. The heart of the race. <laughs> oh, my God. She embodies the spirit created by Paula Abdul in Rush Rush. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. 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 It's all falling into place. It's all falling into place. She has. It's the... all coming back to me now. Yeah. She has the ability to make engines come to life with the spark of ignition. So now, Joe, what I love about this is that Nico and Kevo have no idea that Wes has coined the term automancer in a D&D parlance. I know. These characters yes. are automancers. Yes. Our listeners written in with this with this idea that they are automancers, that the more they touch cars, the more they level up Or and the more they touch up. anything. The more they're around anything, the more they, they draw from its abilities. Because as you can imagine from like modern day action tropes, as the movies go on, they all basically become superheroes. But I like that you are basically lending credence and definition and shape to this theory in a way by just saying all these different wonderful ideas. And I would like all of your listeners to know that he doesn't have notes in front of him. He's doing all of this off the top of his head. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit. I'm sure he's been thinking about this for the last like four hours. All fucking day. But he's not reading off of cue cards or anything. This is all just what it's like. And if I can, here's why they were able to defeat Tran. So Tran sacrificed some of his car power in terms of protection to be able to ride on that little motorbike. But he's so hot, though. Oh, my God. He is illogically (laughs) hot to the point where I just don't understand. So fucking hot, everyone else should just get the fuck out of the movie. It's so dumb. (laughs) But anyway, he sacrificed some of his power in terms of protection to be able to go faster and sleeker. And he gained the powers of the motocross. That is ultimately what defeated him. He gave up his protection for speed. Uh, How does Jesse's dad's Volkswagen Jetta with the jazz solo cup design on it factor into all of this? <laughs> well, Because that's one of my favorite things from this movie. So Jesse comes from, and I mean this, Jesse comes from a legacy family of auto magic. Sure. Okay. He comes from an okay. older form. Like he comes from like the Corvette force or something. His car's Ooh. family's magic has faded 
Because the whole point of this is family. His car's family's magic has faded. He's carrying on that legacy, and he's the last vestiges of it in this ridiculous-looking car, and that's why it looks like fucking Speed Racer, because this is like if Speed Racer came to hang out with the fucking Autobots. This movie was almost named Racer X. I can't deal with this. Frankie Muniz owned Jesse's car for, like, forever. <gasps> like, he ha- he bought the Jetta and, like, had it, like, all, like, right after he was doing... Like, he bought it when he turned 16. That makes like, so much sense. Malcolm that's so cute. That's Jesse's power. And then that's why Jesse's death is a catalyst, because now that energy has been released and it supercharges the Furious Force. Like, I mean, I really thought about uh, this It shit. set off the, the Fast Saga, the yeah, death of Jesse. It, like, actually triggered a massive shift... In the Fast Furious Force. To combine the Fast and the Furious for yeah. the first time in eons. It. Which is why wow. when Jesse is dying, that's part of why Mia like is like, no, we have to take... And that's why she's able to take care of the car and drive the car while Brian is trying to rescue Vince. Because mm. she has the power to interface with the car. So what you're saying is that Jesse is like the, the Thanos of this world. Like he's the catalyst. He set everything in motion. I am positive I am calling him the half sack. Ha- the sacrificial lamb. Okay. So half sack, yeah. I am absolutely calling him half sack, yes. So Jesse in this universe is the Chris Malika of the Westworld universe. That's what guessed. I was thinking. Have you guys seen, are you familiar with Westworld? No, no. but I was trying to push, I was comparing him to Sons of Anarchy's half he's, sack. He's Rue from the Hunger Games. Yeah. He's the chubby kid from the Maze Runner movies. There's always one. He's whatever kid dies in one of the halves of It. Someone's gotta die. (sighs) Oh, yeah. The guy and then, yeah, the people. The metaphor kind of breaks down a little bit, but I do appreciate that. But this guy that was on our podcast... In Westworld, as you know, like there is like this world of robots and they are just subservient to man and men can go there and like have sex with who they want and shoot what they want and do what they want, live up their fantasy. And then like very early in the series, shit breaks bad, the robots overtake the world. This guy that we had on our show, Chris Malika, who was great, his episode was a lot of fun. He basically, his actions turn Evan Rachel Wood's character so, like, they basically break her, and she then goes on a rampage and, like, kind of leads the overturn. So he is, in that universe, the Jesse of this universe, that his actions, his whatever, have inspired everything to come from it. It's the blossoming, it's the blooming of all of that. Okay, I follow it. Yes, his death is the moment that you understand everything's in motion. But then Jesse is the Evan Rachel Wood and trans assassins are the that guy who did bad things to her. I appreciate you following along the metaphor for a show that you don't really know and a guest you don't know, so I appreciate it. I ask so many people to go on such weird journeys. I am always down for a good trek as long as you're my Sherpa. Cool. Wonderful. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to ask. Did Vince die? I don't remember. Who? Vince. Vince. Did he die? Vince does not die. Okay. The only person that dies is Jesse. Well, Jesse and Johnny Tran die. I at least hope Vince's arm is, like, permanently fucked up and he can never drive again. That was intense for him to come back from. I just don't think no he spoilers, needs that arm but... anymore. Like, oh my god. Okay, just keep that in mind. Yeah, keep that in the back of your that, head. <laughs> keep that in mind, for sure. He's yeah. this franchise's Bucky Barnes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Dangled the arm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Always Ooh. jealous of someone better than him. Rude about women. Yeah. yeah. Trying to come up with a Winter Soldier pun for cars, and I'm, I'm coming up empty. I was not prepared for the story about Dom's dad having burned alive. That was sudden and disturbing. 
That's but a backstory. It, it was his secret origin. It was his Batman gun down at the theater shit. Yeah. Great comparison. I like that too. And it comes out of like nowhere. Like they're just working on the car. He just takes Brian, like come with me for a minute and then tells him the story in front of the car. Like he couldn't have told him outside or something, but the car needed to be there for moral support. Yeah. yeah. Either, so either, so in this metaphor is either the fire or the wall, I guess is Joe chill who kills Batman's parents. I think what I'm suggesting then is the wall is Joe chill. Yes. And the fire is the gun. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Okay, but now, here's where things got a little bit murky for me. Okay. okay. That's not how polices work. In any sense of it, right? I mean, I'm not even talking about the kind of responsible, respectful policing that we're looking for from our government. I am talking about, like, that's not how police work works. This was some, <laughs> like, Inspector Clouseau, Car 54, where are you... Whatever the fucking opposite of Dragnet is. <laughs> we have a question. We we were asking it before, and I think we could ask it now. In this movie, do you think Brian is a good cop or a bad cop? No, I'm going to ask that in four. Think about that. Don't answer that yet. I have that assigned to movie four. Well, can is I, Brian... Let me ask you like, a question. Even now. Please what? specify if you mean, is he a corrupt or good cop slash... Is he is good he... at his job or is ah, he not good at his job? That's even... Um, okay, when you would... Before you explained that we were going to get asked what's the lettiest thing, when I was being asked what's the Brianist thing... Yeah, I was excited for that question. Yeah, because I, I tell can already us. tell you, it's Say every it. fucking stupid, self-sacrificial, over-the-top, there's got to be a better way to do it, but he's going to kill himself to get it done fucking stupid action stunt he does all movies. Yeah, I was going to say the most Brian thing that Brian does is the last thing he does, which is giving a fugitive his car and then just sort of walking away, not thinking about what the consequences of that might be. It's the ultimate moment of so many things leading up to it that are so very Brian. Yeah. So there's this thing, right? It's this super duper Roman Catholic thing. And, you know, the kind of like guilt that it takes like a religion to instill. The only way that you can truly be happy is by making other people happy. But it's even better when it comes at the cost of your own organic happiness. Right? <laughs> sort of this programmed sense of things like almost like imagine if you were in a world where teeth meant everything and every time you lost a tooth you died a little bit the easter bunny would be really sinister in that world easter bunny oh my god i meant the tooth, tooth fairy, fairy. <laughs> <laughs> the tooth fairy would be really sinister in that world brian wants to do the right thing but so frequently what brian does is the dumbest thing that <laughs> yeah. he think will he thinks will lead to somebody else's happiness if your friend has four things in their hand and they're about to drop one of them. What should you do? Should you A, go up to them and rip everything out of their hand because it's your job to be in control of the world? The thing. Or B, should you ask them how you can fucking help? Brian can't figure <laughs> out how to ask how to help. Brian has to take all four things out of your hands without asking you, not realizing that sometimes, you feeble, fumbling doofus, you're the reason everything's gonna fall. Is that an answer that's saying that he's not good at his job? Is that what you're getting at? No, actually, I think he's a terrible cop, but he's an excellent car thief. Okay. 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 So no, I was saying, I don't know if you guys, are you familiar? Have you seen the movie Point Break? I have seen it on WPIX at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. 
best way to watch it. This movie essentially is that movie. Like, it is the same thing where Keanu is tasked to bring down Patrick Swayze, and then in the end, even though he has, he falls in love with Laurie Petty, he really, truly falls in love with Patrick Swayze, and then at the end, spoiler, but every we've talked about it on here before, he lets him go because it's the love, the greatest love of all is the that between the two men. Like here, Brian and Mia have a thing, but it's really, as you pointed out, it's the Brian and Dom homoeroticism. That's the true love story yes. of not only this movie, but the franchise. So, real quick, I actually misunderstood the title Point Break. When I was a kid, I thought it was like Mount Everest. Point Break. Oh. So I kept wondering when they were going to go to the mountain. In Point Break, she's working at the same shrimp restaurant that they go to in this restaurant, too. Neptune's Net out yeah. in California on the PCH. Yeah, so they even like kind of mirror some of the, the sets, too. That's also the same restaurant where Tony Stark has an anxiety yep. attack in Iron, Iron Man 3. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%, yeah. It does feel like, and as far, as far as I know, it's not in Veronica Mars, but it feels like it could be a very Veronica Mars I feel like it should be, location. yeah. Yeah, like it's her and Weevil out there, and they're just, you know, having like a conversation that should not be in public, but is in public for some reason. Feels like that kind of spot. The other thing I really need to comment on with this film, it really kind of felt like a well-intentioned music video at times. I was dazzled okay. when it wasn't directed by Mick G. The performances were really genuine, right? So I'm not knocking any of the performances. And I imagine, was this like an early Rob Cohen film? Was this a later Rob Cohen film? I don't know. He had done, he had just come off doing, or a couple years before, he had done The Skulls with Paul Walker. So like he had, he was familiar with Paul Walker. He had made movies before. My issue was it, was it very frequently felt a little bit directed, almost like stylistically. There were choices that I felt we jumped in and out of. So some of the sci-fi motif that was achieved with the CGI transitions that I actually think Like through are, the engines yeah, and the, stuff. Yeah, you know, the yeah. Fast Furious Force activating. Those were really interesting stylistic choices to only have three times. The slow-mo in the jump was so dumb. There were so many weird choices that if they had been a consistent motif throughout the film, if they had been a genre element that helped create an atmosphere... They would have been choices I could have been on board with, but so many of them felt like, guys, check it out. I just found out how I can do this with my editing software. Get ready for that, because that does not really go away. Like there's, it, it changes, but that's like a kind of a, a core element to a lot of it. Like, what kind of weird, cool shit can we show you in an engine? It just seemed as though there were times they didn't really correlate the directing to the writing. And I don't mean that like, it's definitely not the kindest criticism, but I don't mean it sinisterly or humorously even. There were times where, like, they were trying to say, you need to be more quiet. Please repeat that more quietly. Paul Walker speaks at the exact same volume. And it felt in no way like someone was directing that scene. One of my notes was, oh, okay, everything's happening because no one is directing this. (laughs) I really loved the atmosphere of everybody hanging out at the underground car rally race wars get it right my god no i refuse to use the term race wars in reference (laughs) to anything right now i'm so glad that was not ultimately the name of this movie and now it would have some real lady antebellum problems that sequence where brian explains that he is an undercover cop to mia which he does very loudly in full audio of people that i am willing to bet have guns that sequence is done so indelicately in a way that expressed to me all of the subtlety of a bonfire during an episode of the oc there was nothing (laughs) that indicated 
that they understood that this was the climactic apex of the film. It was directed with an intimacy that didn't befit the immensity of the moment because it also didn't have the intimacy of a lover revealing betrayal. It had the intimacy of a Tom Clancy novel. While the direction was interesting and very visual, which I appreciated, it didn't necessarily sync up to the story the way I expected it to for the sake of a narrative flowing as one story. Well, I think, and my point to that is I, I do not disagree with any of that. No, but I will I say don't I think the core emotional story here is Brian and Dom, and when Dom learns that Brian's a cop, that's a much more of a narrative gut punch. Even though Mia knows and we know that they know, at the very end, when Brian calls the police to get medical attention for Vince... gives his badge number, yeah. Like, that's when, when Dom's, like, fury and fear... By and far the best, performant mo- best performed moment in the movie. I thought he was going to kill him with I, the way the yeah. music was swelling and the way it yep. was directed. That's the emotional gut punch I think you wanted in the Mia scene, but I think that is kind of proof that, like, the Mia-Brian romance is at Secondary. best second fiddle, yeah, to yeah. Brian and Dom. Yeah, but I, directed well enough to dazzle me. I feel like they made a specific narrative choice because I was doing my timestamp check thing. The chase sequence is almost exactly 10 minutes long from when he tells Mia that he's a cop to when everything slows down and we think Vince is dying and Dom finds out that he's a cop. So I feel like there might have been an effort as well to give us one half of that reveal at the beginning of the chase and then one half at the end so that we Mm. don't need to start digesting it until after the whole chase happens. But it does help elevate the excitement of the narrative and it leaves us wondering how much Mia is going to help Brian when she knows that he has been keeping the secret from them. Very good points. Very well said. You mentioned just now in the directing of the scene, the way that things come together, you mentioned the music and obviously we have talked about on here before that you have made that Nico, you made our theme song, but you're also a lifelong lover and fan and supporter and dare I say, Stan, of BT, um, who did the score for this movie. And you were saying to me, like, it's weird to enter a movie knowing the entire score without having seen the movie. And, like, I just want to know, because please just talk about the beat, because I don't. I feel like we have not, like, there are scenes where it's, like, or there are movies in this franchise, especially Tokyo Drift. we like about the soundtracks. Yeah, sure. like, the soundtrack is great. The soundtrack in this is very 2001 and very great and cool and weird, but, like, we have not really paid a lot of attention, I don't think, to the score, because, like, I don't have the musical vocabulary to really talk about it, and I think it, it's effective and it's memorable, but, like, I really like you to talk about, you know, your relationship with BT, but also, like, what the score maybe means to you, or, like, how it worked in the movie, or just all of that like sort it? of stuff. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Yeah. So I was super obsessed with this score growing up. There once was a woman named Myra Ellen Amos, and Myra okay. Ellen oh, Amos God. discovered how, how the piano. How does in this goddamn podcast, too? How does this happen every single time? Oh, I can even get to Janet. Don't worry. My <laughs> life. So Myra Ellen Amos, after she changed her name to Tori Amos and became an international chanteuse, made it her life's mission to make sure that other artists had the same opportunities she did. She discovered this little known guy, BT, and he asked her to sing on this Mm. song, Blue Skies. And Blue Skies remains one of the most un-Tori Amos songs that every Tori Amos fan thinks is like the pinnacle height of her quality. Now, Blue Skies is included on BT's debut album, Ima. Ima is a really divisive album. A lot of people hear the brilliance that BT would come to, but it really feels a lot like 20-second songs expanded on for about six minutes apiece. 
His second album, okay. Electric Sky Church Music, was much better received, but it was his breakthrough record, Movements in Still Life, that like really launched him to cultural recognition. He's known for having a song with the lead singer of Soul Coughing, Mike Doughty. BT's success with Movements in Still Life would lead him to working with Britney Spears and NSYNC in the same year. He would go on to write Damn. for absolutely everybody. But the thing is, BT was more a composer than a pop songwriter, and BT's best work were really compositions over pop medleys. He'd always worked on symphonics and on, you know, these big expansive soundscapes. As a matter of fact, something that a lot of people don't realize is BT has written something like 40 hours of music for Shanghai uh, Shanghai Disneyland. He's written the score to a number of films, Stealth with Jamie Foxx, uh, Monster with Charlize Theron. Which Stealth was also directed by Rob Cohen. Oh, wow. There you go. Little fast action. He did this score. Now, this score was the first time he was really expected to get any kind of buzz award show wise. The Fast and the Furious production team believed so much in BT's score that they submitted it for the Oscar. I actually have oh. one of the Oscar screeners. I got it off eBay. Oh, uh, that's so cool. In that's high very school. cool. See, the score, yeah, that's very cool. They're shitty CDRs, but, you know, I have it. And yeah. a number of these songs. Now, I've mentioned that BT is prolific, and if you take a look at his music database, the man is truly composed something like, you know, 10,000 hours of music. He is such a prolific creator when he does an album, he usually does upwards of eight versions of it with countless versions of each song. It is notable that something like five to eight works in this score exist outside of this film in one form or another as another song. Mm. As a matter of fact, Nocturnal Transmission was originally like a piece of music that was like sending a message through the night. Not only was I familiar with this score, I had associations for these songs that predate the score. When I saw Suspiria, the only thing that I'm even remotely in the same world as you on this is that when I saw Suspiria, they had put out the soundtrack, the score, sorry, the score by Tom York of Radiohead. He had put it out before, and I listened to it because I obviously love it. Like, Radiohead's my favorite band, and I love the score. And then, like, hearing it in the movie and, like, how it worked, I was like, this is so weird. Like, it's a very bizarre thing to have, like, your own conceptions of, like, what it could the be or should mean. be, and then to hear it yeah. with visuals, it's like, oh, wow. Well, well before I ever saw The Hours with Nicole Kidman, I had listened to the score by Philip Glass because, like, I'm a, you know, far as, like, white-passing, obnoxious musical theater gays go, I'm, I guess I'm a decent-sized Philip Glass fan, I guess, and so... <laughs> It was a work that I wanted to interact with, and I don't think I've still ever seen The Hours all the way through. I probably couldn't tell you the difference between that and the others, but I sure do have the score. I know they're both Nicole Kidman. That's about as far as I know. That's all That's all I got. Yeah, same, 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 same. The only Philip Glass song I know is that song from Koyan Scotsy. I'm sure maybe you use other places, but Koyan Scotsy, Pruitt Ego? Is that oh, how you yeah. It? yeah. That's like a wildly famous song, I think, right? I yes. think? Okay. We have a couple of games to play, but before we get to the games, I want to see, because obviously we're going to have you on for the next eight episodes, the next eight main installments. There's plenty of time to talk about these movies, but is there anything else about this movie in particular that you want to talk about? And then I would also like to get your sense of like what you think the next movie is going to be about, because I think we asked Kara. That's what I want to do, too. That's what I want to do, interesting. Too, yes. Is there anything about this movie that yeah. you're curious about or that you want to know or that you want to talk about? Anything like that? Any sort of last thoughts on the first, The Fast and the Furious? No, I just expect more speed 
speed and more fury. You're going to get that. That I can promise, and that's not even a spoiler. I promise you'll get more speed and more fury for sure. The bad guys in this movie were kind of like Shredder and the Hand, only it was Tran and the Wheel. The guy driving the semi shooting the the giant shotgun might as well have just been like an automatic rifle built into a self-driving truck for all that he was a person. Yeah, he's he's not a character at all. Fuck the idea of bad guys in this movie because there really weren't. Beyond that, if I had waited through those credits, other than the fact that they were styled beautifully, if I had waited... For that two second sequence, I would have pissed on the screen. Probably because you would have been holding it. I would have been holding it for an hour and 45 minutes in case Vin <laughs> Diesel took his fucking shirt off, okay? Yeah. Oh, God, I yeah. love when you can see where he's bald. He's just so hot. I, I also do want to I love that you guys say... brought that up. We didn't, we didn't mention that, but like, so one thing that we do pitch about these movies is that there's eye candy for everyone. That like, as much as like, you know, they have some misogynistic problems and like the agency of women in them and stuff like that. You get eye candy on both sides. There's a lot of hot dudes as much as there are beautiful women, right? So I'm I, glad that you guys keep bringing that up. That's awesome. I would love to have an awkward, can't-tell-our-families-about-it, 90s secret yuppie romance up in the West Village with Vin Diesel where we're both <laughs> high-powered attorneys who can't ever come out. <laughs> I'd watch it or something. I'm into it. I do want to say this before we move on. In defense of all of Nico's, you know, wild ranting and raving about the Fast Furious Force and the magical powers, there is something to be said for his theories, considering that Spider-Sense moment that Brian and Dom share right before the hitmen show up and kill Jesse, that I still want genuinely. Do we get an answer about that, or is that just a directorial choice? It is startling to me every time. Like it, it's never really repeated. It doesn't really make sense. Like they can't really. Like they just hear motorcycles. But and like, like <gasps> it's. I'm telling you, it has to do with Jesse dying, activating the fat, the Fast Furious Force in a mystical way. Because Jesse was about to die. There was this moment where like the universe. Just like, it was like a transpo jump. I think Joey nails it. I think that what they're really saying is that they're such car guys that they hear the exhaust from the motorcycle so far away that they know it's out of place in their neighborhood. And I think that that's what it is more than a spidey sense, but I'm not taking away from your magical Fast Furious theory. And not even necessarily magic, but it's a very clear directorial choice where this narrative is going to shift. And I don't know how much the creator, director had in mind for this to be a continuing narrative and a franchise and all of that but it is it is definitely the point at which the narrative flips and you can tell which side brian is going to choose and we can agree that like nos is like dark magic steroids in this universe right (laughs) oh yeah that whenever anybody's like i'm not fast enough or furious enough just Just keep up with the daddies i gotta nos it i gotta take my kick yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I have two quick things that I want to say. Number one, Joe, I think, I think, I think, by the time we get to this movie again next lap, we will be done with the minute. I think Perfect. it's going to be close because we're going to do these the deleted scenes and stuff, whatever. We're yeah. going to sort of mix things up a bit, but like we're going to be just about at the end of this lap. We will have broken down this movie minute by minute. So basically, next lap is essentially going to kick off too fast, which is very exciting. Cool. Number one. And number two, one thing that I did not, I never really thought about the factor of it until we saw it in so many classic car movies. But at the end, when Brian is in pursuit of Johnny and Lance, 
Johnny and Lance kind of go high low on him on the hill as they're uh, going after him. Like there's like yeah. this sort of like where the cat becomes the mouse or whatever, right? And yep, like yep. they go high low and I'm like, oh shit, we just saw that in like six classic car movies. Like the difference of height and stuff. So I was like, it's pretty cool. He's gaining the high ground. The high ground, the yes. The high ground. It's the Fast Force Fury Fower. Next movie takes place in Miami. What do you think happens? And how do you think they get there? Spring break. Okay. S- okay spring break. Okay. Do you have any theories? I mean, oh, to be what honest, think is going to happen. I think they get there by car. Okay, <laughs> I'm pretty. sure. I meant sure. the more philosophical. I meant the more philosophical. <laughs> how do we get there? But sure, car works. That's fair. I'm pretty sure during this movie, Vin Diesel was making Triple X, which I mistakenly thought was one of these. I think it's just Paul Walker. I'm going to assume he scams on some co-eds. In Miami. Oh, isn't that the one that... Oh, because my... my uh, uh, Sweet lady, would you be my... Uh, Ty- Tyrese. Tyrese is in that one, I think, right? Because... Uh, yes. Cause, uh, Tyrese, because he's so goddamn beautiful. Tyrese is in that one. He's the dom in that one, I think. Either that, or I'm combining this with Fastlane, and I'm thinking of Bill Bellamy and Peter Facinelli, and I can't make any promises. That's that's good. No, that's... that's I've seen every episode of Fastlane. You guys want to talk about Fastlane? I love that show. <laughs> And I do love Peter Facinelli. And Tiffany Amber Thiessen was on it after she ruined 90210. So, you know, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Look, okay. I have no fucking patience for Valerie. She replaced my precious Brenda. I could have ripped her goddamn wig off and made her eat it. I, I was like, <laughs> I was so beyond, like, at, at 10 years old, I was so broken because <laughs> Brenda went away to, to Europe. For her, she wouldn't leave Dylan. Joey, here, are you muted or are you okay? Oh no, I just don't have words. I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> you gave him the floor. I know, I know. I, you know, it's it's it is what it is. So okay, we have two games to play, and we're gonna play these every time you're on. So get ready for them. Buckle in, as it were. The first one up is called "This Ain't No Ten Second Race," aka oh. "Boy, Do We Have a Podcast for You." So now, the way this game works is that we are going to go on everyone's favorite website, twitter.com, and we are going to find tweets sent by anyone that would be interested in theory in listening to this podcast. So what we're going to do is I would like each of you to find a tweet on twitter.com and send it to at too fast to forever, and then you're going to read it on air. Wait, you want me to dox someone? No, 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 no. Well, kind of. But what we're going to do is we're going to reply to them and just say, boy, do we have a podcast for you. Hashtag too fast to forever. Hashtag fast and furious. Hashtag 2F2F. Link to our show page. So the way it works is if the person you respond to likes the tweet, you get a point. If they retweet the tweet, you get two points. If they reply, you get five. And if they email into the show, which has never happened, you get ten. But keep in mind, this is the most difficult game in the world you could possibly imagine. I don't know why it's so difficult, but it is wildly difficult. With all that said, Joe, let me review... Let me review what we did last time, which was, I guess, when was it? Episode 100? No, Hobbs and Shaw. Wait, what? Okay. When did we do that? That feels like forever ago. It does. So we had Garrett Smith on. Yes. Philadelphia. I found Julio 4 at Sewer Love that says Han and Bow Wow will return in Avengers Endgame. Boy, do we we have have a a podcast podcast for for you. you. It was retweeted by Sewer Love. I get two points. I did not know that happened. I get two points, which is very, very exciting. Very exciting. So now I am, let's see here. Let's let's see the updated score. I am now at 22.5. Joe, you're at 25 right now. So I'm closing the gap. I hope you're I hope you're ready. You found 
FA2 at fave underscore J-U-E quote tweeting a tweet that said, if 2020 was a movie, what would it be? They said Fast and Furious and Star Wars. You said, boy, do we have a podcast for you. It got a like, but it was from Brian Rodriguez, so it does not count. Uh, doesn't count. And then our guest, Garrett Smith, found Trang Dong at Trang Han Dong on Twitter. If straight people can have like 20 Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> then the gays should be allowed to have at least 10 more Mamma Mia movies. Boy, do we, we have, have a podcast, podcast for, for you. you. Nothing. Well, I'll be honest. I expect that from somebody reposting something that they stole from several years ago. Yeah, oh, that's I'm sure. definitely Nothing. an ancient Tumblr post. That's definitely oh. some real bitter old faggot from a million years ago who has a master's in library sciences. Now, Nico, oh. I know that you're relatively new to Twitter. You're, like, newly engaged with Twitter. But Twitter is nothing but recycled jokes. Like, that's all it is. And jokes is, like, heavily in quotation marks. Like, Twitter is a, yeah. a cesspool. I have to be honest. I am, like, really specific. Like, if I feel like my joke is too close to another joke, I don't make the joke. Yeah, I agree. I'd rather just take shots at myself. Am I doing this live? Yes. Yeah, send you have to find yes. one now. I'm going to read mine, so just find whatever one you want to use while we're waiting. Okay, mine is from Jake Landy. It's a reply. He's at Jake and Snakes. He's replying to Lauren, Lauren A. Wheel. She says, I don't know what the <laughs> noise outside is, but it's either someone street racing down Melrose at 9 p.m. or they build a freaking train outside my windows. I'm so confused. He says, Fast and Furious, Melrose Place Drift sounds like a promising future for the franchise. And no, oh no, my God, we that actually one. have a podcast for him. You give it to me. You give that to Nico. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. So, in honor of you guys being here and talking about Melrose Place, I think we have a podcast for him. Boy, Absolutely. do and we. Just let that person know we stand Sydney real hard. <laughs> Joe is the bomb shit. Jake, when he's not, not being a boy scout. Yeah, well, Joe's gone. Jake was great when he wasn't <laughs> being a boy scout. So, we're going to have our own. We are planning a Melrose Place podcast, actually. Like, we're, we're working on making sure it's perfect. And we have the best name for it ever. The main character is Amanda Woodward, and she owns Melrose Place, so we're just going to call it Mandy Got House Problems. Not Fast and Furious Melrose Place Drift? Sadly, no, because um, <sighs> while it blows up several times and drowns multiple people, well, I guess it only drowns <laughs> one person, it never drifts anywhere. There's Damn. a few drag races. So, you know, for those episodes. So now what you can do for future episodes, I don't really want to spoil this for this. I could have told you, but I didn't want to tell you in advance. But now you can think about as you go, as you live your lives on Twitter.com, on the Bird app. Yeah. If you see a tweet, you can just keep it in your back pocket and then send it to me on here. Or we DM can go it to there. us. Yeah, yep. something. I like that you judge the word Stan, but you're real cool with DM. Well, I mean, DM's an... I don't like any of it, honestly. <laughs> okay, here we go. I Oh, boy. There's so many good ones. I, there's five that I found from one. They're all old. Yeah, mine was in two th 2018, so mine's very old. Well, there's one from 2009 that I could do, but I, that's that's crazy. Jesus, okay. I'm going to go from one... Oh, boy, hold on. I want to do one more bit of... This one This one is in honor of you guys as well. Um, I found Claudia at Claudia Ruiz underscore underscore. Okay, but nobody talks about how hot Johnny Tran is in The Fast and the Furious. Oh, that's very boy. true. Do, do we, we have, a have a podcast for you? For you. I'm saying. Because yeah. we they, did, and we do. You definitely mm -hmm. did. Yep. This one says, In hell, Jared Leto's joke gives you a tribal tattoo and read the plot to all 29 Fast and Furious films for entirety. <laughs> Boy, do we. We have a podcast for you. 
That's a good entry. And Kevin, did you find one, or do you want to just take a pass this time and do it next time? Nico, do you want to do my homework? Oh, I genuinely love doing Kevo's homework for him. It's been a good 10 years. I did his homework for him when we were in college together. I just, I was so, I had to marry him. He was just the most gorgeous man I've ever met. (laughs) I needed to marry him, so I did his homework. It was real easy. I just did my homework twice and legitimately gave him the homework I did a less good job on. (laughs) That's so cute. Only the requirements. If it was an elective, I just kind of like hung him out to dry. (laughs) So do you want to do his homework one more time? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I sure am. Oh, he's looking. So now while you look, I'm going to explain the next game. The next game is called Dude, What's My Car? Oh, no, no, no. Stop. I This is more important than anything you'll ever hear in your life. Okay. 33 minutes ago, OMG Adrian tweeted, I just found out that all the cars from the Fast and Furious series were cakes. Oh, oh that mean. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. So relevant. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about the cake shit lately. Oh, God. They're all cakes. Yes. Boy, do we we have a podcast podcast for you. you. Good tweet. That's a great find. Good job, guys. Kevo, great job on the homework. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I give you check plus. (laughs) Check plus for sure. Ooh, check plus. Look at you. I would like to point out that he graduated with a GPA in his core requirements worthy of National Honor Society. I take no responsibility for his elections. So does that mean that you have like two degrees? Are you counting like do you count your do you count Kevos as an honorary degree for you? Nah, among many, <laughs> a degree of excellence for sure. Okay, yeah, fair, 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 fair. So the last game we're playing is called Dude, What's My Car? And so the game started because I know nothing about cars and Joe knows a good amount about cars. And so people email us pictures of cars and I try to describe them for him and try to get him to guess them. And then we kind of play like 20 questions sort of where you can ask like yes or no questions and like ask how to describe certain things and whatever. So you both have the option. You can either play on my team and help give clues or if you want to be on Joe's team and guess clues, you can do that as well. So it's totally up to you. I will forward you emails if you want to help give clues or if you want to help guess clues. I want to guess. I want to be a guesser. Kevo doesn't tend to like to play games, so he's just on my team. I want to guess. I'm really I mean, I thought we were going to get to pick like our favorite famous car and I was like I want I want the Duckmobile from Darkwing Duck. Oh, oh we don't get to pick our own drag car. Or, because, like, my dream is to bring back the wacky races. Like, that's, like, my actual dream, and I want to get, like, famous cartoon entities, but one of the jokes that I really want is I want the snidely whiplash character to be replaced by a good guy regular fixture in the form of RuPaul. So RuPaul (laughs) has a regular car in the wacky drag races. Like, I really want to bring this back as a cartoon. So I want to guess. Oh, I want to get God. ready for my car life. I love having people on my team. Nobody ever wants to be on yeah, my nobody team, ever so wants I appreciate to be on it. Team. So thank Joe you. Two, I, Joe 2, I love being Joe2B-Nico. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So this car is from Jerry Robinson. Sent May 18th. Timely, because we are so far behind on these. Okay. Subject line, car pick. Hey, guys, got a new one since the Ferrari FXX was too easy. He says this is a car from one of his favorite car manufacturers. It is a British car. Okay? British Mm -hmm. car. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is a black car with yellow piping. Yellow striping? Well, I I call it piping because I'm saying piping like like on a baseball jersey. Like the the lines that go up and down the the, 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 the buttons. Like when, when you look at Gambit's costume... All of the detail work that separates the sections of Gambit's costume, that's his detail piping. Yeah, so it's like, it's okay. its not striping, it is more piping. It's not like racing stripes down the middle. Okay. No, correct, it's piping. It's a two-door car. There are, from what I can tell, two tires. I would assume that there are four tires. Thank you 
That helps. Um, I've never given that clue before. I'm surprised that, that didn't help you give it right away. I'm yeah. just supposed to be guessing the names of cars without Googling, right? Yeah, don't cheat. Okay, good. No, I'm definitely not Googling. But I mean, like, all I'm guessing is, like, British Bumblebee. Y- yeah. A school Perfect. bus. Like, I'm just... You know, I would say British Bumblebee is kind of a good name for this. It's not a Camaro. It's not at all like a Camaro. But it's it's not unlike a Camaro. That's probably a terrible clue. The headlights are round. They are big and round white headlights. There are small orange fog lights. How many guesses do I get? Uh, infinity. Infinite. In, infinity. Aston yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an Aston Martin. No. Okay, then I don't Jaguar. know any other British thing. It's not a Jaguar. No. It's an MG. Vaulty no. Towers. Over there, they call buses coaches. Mm, J.K. Rowling is a turf. The license plate is 4805R. It's not a McLaren. So what fucking British car is it? It's from 1972. Is it a McLaren Neat? (laughs) You're fucking amazing. (laughs) I'm going to marry you again. It is from 1972. Okay, so the back kind of makes it look like a back of an El Camino. Like it's kind of got a little bit of a truck bed, sort of. Oh, okay. But it's not as... Okay, it is a Queen's McQueen. Over there, a truck is called a lorry, I think. Actually, so that word, lorry, is actually pretty close. This is like a big hint, but I feel like we're getting nowhere. Lotus? The word lorry, it is a Lotus. Okay. From 1972. It's an Elise. You know any... It's an Elise. Or no. an Exegy. Nope. nope. I already did it. Stop guessing. It's starting to sound <laughs> like he's like, it's a locust! It's a locust committing genocide! Like, it's starting to get a little no. out there. Cats and dogs living together. It is a Lotus, but it's the name of a moon. Can you think of any moons that are models of cars? That's no, no moon. That's it's the most. It's it's probably the most famous moon of Jupiter. Um, what the fuck the kind most... of science nerd are you? <laughs> I'm an astronomer, baby. That's that's my science. Europa? Is that really a thing? I didn't know that. Like that you were an astronomy guy. I didn't realize that. That's really cool. Yeah, like I I love astronomy. I have not dabbled in astronomy in a while, but like like far and away, my favorite science is astronomy no what's the what's the moon of jupiter though it's also it's like a it's a twist on a continent europa the lotus europa the 1972 lotus europa see like the back kind of has a little bit of like a el camino kind of bed sort of yeah 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 yeah. lotuses are very cool i just saw one when i was in pittsburgh rachel's stepdad kevin has a lotus elise that he has in his garage that is very very cool as well that i've been in many times so yeah, this is cool. I, did, I had no idea what the Europa was, though. I would never have gotten the Europa. And the Lotus took me for a loop because, like, English car that is not an English car. Do you guys know about Lotuses? That, like, the new ones use, like... <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Lotus Lotus makes, like, a lot of, like, the bodies, but they don't make the engines of cars, so they, like, kind of, like, poach engines from other cars. So, like, the Elise will use, like, a Toyota Camry engine, but in, like, a sports car-looking car... And then you have like a track car that you can drive around really fast. I'm going to be honest. The thing that I know a lot about is European roller coaster manufacturers, actually. Ooh. If you had a question about an Intamin or Schwarzkopf steel coaster, I would be ready to talk to you about inversions and speed re- and speed records. And Ooh. I'd be happy to talk about different models of roller coaster. But I just don't know a damn thing about European cars. It's okay. No worries. Well, that'll that'll just about do it for this episode. You guys have survived your first full too fast too forever. Are you still thank in you. it? Are you guys still in it? Are thank you, still you so okay? much. Yeah. Are you still in the, are you still engaged? Are you still invested? Are you still on board to talk about eight more of these movies? Yes. Calm down, Spunky. I am as invested. I mean, I'm like a savings bond. I'm invested for fifty years. So wow, he's my kind of fun. man. Oh, I'm a really big fan of Dancing with the One Who Brung You. So like, 
if you're going down, you take the people that you're with down with you. <laughs> I've committed to bringing you guys down with me. Let's start oh, drowning. Any movie that starts with a heist that involves shooting a grappling hook Ka-chang! at a truck, <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up with antics like that. It's perfect. Well, Joe, our next episode, one without Nico and Kevo, sad to say, but our next episode on Friday will be the movie Widows, starring nice. lots of wonderful people, lots of strong female ladies. I think they, yeah. they have not covered it. Did they cover it? No, they did cover it recently on The Contender. So if you want to do a pre-episode, The Contenders covered it. Widows coming on Friday, and then we'll announce next week on Friday. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash too fast, too forever, or at too fast too forever on twitter and instagram email us family at cageclub.me check out our patreon page at too fast too forever.com you now know we don't know yet as we're recording but you now know the too fast too forever hall of fame the fast and furious hall of fame Ooh, voters so i can't yeah. plug that anymore so that's done just send us a note say hi come back on friday for widows you know where to find us i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and that was kevo reese and nico Basillo of the husbands talking more or less podcast and we'll see you next time right here on too fast too forever peace out peace out you anus peacers peace.